Hi there, everybody. Jimmy Pardo, Never Not Funny, right around the corner. I got to tell you this. I'm going to tell you right now. Today's show is sponsored by Howell.fm. Repeat, sponsored by Howell.fm. You got a query? Need some advice? The acclaimed Howell original, Questions for Lennon, is back for season two. The former rock and roll guitarist and frequent visitor to Comedy Bang Bang podcast, John Lennon, will answer even more hilarious questions in six new episodes. To listen to both seasons of Questions for Lennon and over 200 hours of exclusive Howell miniseries, go to Howell.fm slash Pardo and start your free trial. Yeah, don't forget, Never Not Funny's first th- first, 15, first 13 seasons is on Howell. This is a pre-roll, sir. Stay out of it. Well, I just want people to know they get uh, over 250 episodes pre-roll. of Never Not Funny when they sign up for Howell. Get out. After your full month of free trial, it is only $4.99 per month to get all this exclusive content on the iPhone, Android, or on the web. I've just been told that over 250 hours of content from Never Not Funny are available on Howl. So I recommend uh, if, if you're not already a subscriber uh, to Howl, do it. If you haven't heard all the back episodes, that's a great way to do it. Go to Howl.fm, H-O-W-L dot F-M slash P-A-R-D-O to get started. Here it comes. Never Not Funny. Please don't take this person out. Would you politely go to hell? Get the fuck out of my way. You want daddy to give you the business, and you got it. Oh, I didn't expect that. No, I reject your premise. What is my name? Yeah, turn your back. I'll take a swing at you, old man. You've stunned me to silence, sir. My show, my rules. tape it's the fastest hour in podcasting this is never not funny now here's your host jimmy pardo hello buddy, indeed yes welcome into the program boy my voice i you know i've had the strep throat for the past week oh no i've uh I'm on antibiotics i'm on the uh, fifth uh, fourth of five days of that uh regimen of taking the antibiotic they call that a z-pack zithromax mm-hmm. uh, i went to dr sugarman went to see the sugar sweet sweet sugarman <laughs> went to see joe mm-hmm. somebody famous was in there before me but i didn't uh i couldn't pull it could not pull the uh the, the uh the name recognize the face couldn't pull the name and you can't ask you can't say no. hey was that uh, uh and then hope they fill it in I came closer than I've ever come before on Friday night to doing that to someone because there was a woman at a table next to us at a restaurant. And I was like, that is someone from something that we watched, like a TV show probably. And it was driving Elise and I crazy. And then she left and we were like, just could never get it. All all I can tell you is if anyone out there can think of this, an actress who kind of looks like Alison Brie, but isn't Alison Brie. Oh, let me ask you a question. (laughs) Yeah. Is it Alison Brie? (laughs) Shit, you know what I think it was. I think you, you, you probably should have gone with it. Boy, I have nothing higher than this right now. I can't. Uh, boy, oh boy, it's gonna be a lock. It's gonna be a long. Uh, it's gonna be a long day. We got Joe Mantegna coming in. Peter Pardini, the, uh, the the Chicago movie is gonna premiere on CNN on January first, and Joe and I are both uh, in there. Joe makes sense. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that nine more times throughout this podcast today. Uh, you're, a no- you're a noted Chicago the band fan. I am, uh, but I, more important, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to the bottom of it with Joe. I'm gonna talk to him about those potatoes wedges over there at his restaurant i'm gonna get to the bottom of that okay that's the first thing i say to him so that he's uh, put back on his heels and doesn't enjoy himself uh i'll tell him to his face how much i love the heart-shaped pizza that they have yeah we'll tell him a lot of things matt things are gonna happen today okay don't make me yell today 
This is all I have. I'm, I got to keep it here. That didn't seem yell worthy. It did. It, I don't know what he needs to hear about heart shaped pizza. <laughs> uh, welcome in 1919 is the episode of Little Heart Castle. Yeah. Uh, 19, 19. I took a, uh, a photograph of my uh, radio and sent it to Matt the other day. Yes, what you was did. playing, Matt? Uh, Paul Hardcastle's 19. Took a picture of it. More than yeah. happy to do it. And I sent you something back a day or two later. What was that? Picture of Charlie or a video of Charlie dancing. <laughs> no, that's different. I was talking about my receipt from the habit. I was number 69 you at were. the habit. It's, a, it's fascinating how much that comes up in our everyday life. That and looking at the clock at exactly 9-11 two times a day. Um, <laughs> I, set, I set an alarm at 9-10. Sure, of course. So to make sure to see it. I don't have to. I just somehow my brain just looks at it. Uh, but we, uh, yeah, 1919, we're coming in hot. Um, been laying in bed. I tried to uh, yesterday. Um, there was a leak in the uh, our toilet, our second bathroom. Uh, you know, so you hear that that phantom flushing. You familiar with that? Yes. So I, even though I should have been sleeping and laying in bed, I was like, I can't take this anymore. First of all, we're wasting water. Secondly, it's a you know, it's a forty five minute job to fix this thing, and then forty five minute job turned into a let's call it four hour job. That's not an exaggeration. Holy shit. Four hours because I had to do this and then that and then this and then that. So you were doing it all yourself? Yeah, because it should be a piece of cake. Yeah, usually it's just that little the little rubber guy, that yeah, flap thing that you can just replace. But it wasn't. There was a problem with the um, the gasket. Oh. And so then – oh, no, you're right. Thank you. It was the uh, it was the floater. other side. The floater? It was the, the fill valve. Not Nope, it was the flush valve, not the fill valve, or vice versa that. Okay. So I had to do a lot of – Right. So I was like, well, I'm doing all this. I'll just replace everything. So that means you've got to take the back of the tank off and mm-hmm. replace the gasket. And uh, so I'm doing that. And then, of course, uh, I didn't seal that properly or whatever. So oh, no. then – so, but it was like – Danielle's like, how's it going? And by the way, I'm sick. I'm sweating and I'm sick. And this is so unlike Jimmy Pardo. Usually you just get a handyman to come in and do I this. I thought this was a piece of cake because right, I've right. done this before. Yeah, yeah. This is the kind of thing that even when you have an apartment you're renting, you're just like, I can like, – I can I'm do not this. Bother. not going to bother the super. Right. I'm not going to get Schneider down here. Right. So, right? He doesn't get jingle this kid. I'm going to get Bookman down here. That's another – that's from good times. Um, so uh, – she checked in on me, and I, as I was finishing, she goes, uh, how do you go? I go, well, I either did it or I didn't. Like, it's one of, like right. literally, well, I'm done, yeah. and it's either a huge success or not. So I flush it. Great. Love it. Everything's great. So it's like, oh, fuck, I did it. Like, I couldn't believe it. It's like, I can't believe I did it. Like, yeah. in a, a weird, like, you feel like a man. You feel like a, like a father. You yes. feel like a husband. No better feeling. Right? There's no better feeling. It's fantastic. I did it. And then just like, which, which, by the way, again. As we both admit it, uh, it's the easiest thing in the world. So uh, I'm thrilled. And so then I go in there uh, to, to finish cleaning up or whatever. And, and I stop in a puddle of water. I'm like, what the fuck? Where's this water? I, I thought I cleaned this up. So then I sop up that water. I'm like, oh, all right, that makes sense. You know, maybe there's some water that I missed from earlier. And so then uh, I go to the bathroom and uh, flush it again. I'm like, oh, okay, that's working. Everything's good. Come back, water all over the floor. The gasket, apparently it's a one and done when it comes to gaskets. Uh, you got to replace the gasket. Uh-huh. I, uh, and I was not aware of that. Uh-huh. So now, that, this all started at 1030 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's three. Oh, my God. You know, I had to go and buy the equipment and not the equipment, the, right. the, the stuff. And so I, that, so then I call then I, then I call the plumber. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, all right, I'll come right over. And he comes over and he's like, uh, did you take the whole thing off? And I go, I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, you can't reuse the gasket. Those are, you know, those are one and done. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, I'll come back tomorrow. And uh, so four hours, four hours plus of my life and the guy coming out. Yeah. All of it. Nothing. He's got to come back today to do it all. 
Now, when he says, I'll come back tomorrow, why, don't you just go, oh, I'll just go get a new gasket? No, because it's a gasket that he can only... Uh, uh, it's a pro gasket? First of all, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you already spent your four it, hours. By the way, I don't really know what you mean when you say it's the gasket. There's a gasket on the bottom of the, you know, there's it's a two-piece toilet. So yeah. there's there's the tank, yep. and then there's the right. the, the your actual the throne, on, the throne where you know which uh, you know our president elects is on a gold one. And you can't have porcelain on porcelain. What? You can't have porcelain. Can't on have porcelain. porcelain on porcelain. You need a seal. Yeah. So it's got your seal, and so apparently, like, it doesn't sit doesn't seal properly. Yeah. If if it, once you take it off, you're done. I can tell you it doesn't sit right with you to have that thing. It doesn't have to. So to answer your question, why can't I? Of course, I can just do that. Right. I'm not going to. <laughs> I just mean I'm like, not spending another two. Because it would take me but the, I, two like, hours. I guess you have two bathrooms, right? So it's okay to not have a toilet working for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, uh, I only, we only have one. But even bathroom, if, but so even. We would be uh, literally shit out of luck. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't have had a choice though. Like last night, because it's, it's a piece that you can only buy. You can't buy it at, at Home Depot. Huh. You got to buy it at a because he was like, I can't even go get it for you right now because, you know, they That's don't sell crazy. it at the, uh, your chain stores. Yeah, weird. Huh. So uh, we wanted it, 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 long story short and long. We, we wanted a new toilet anyway in that bathroom. <laughs> so wait a minute. So we're getting a new toilet. <laughs> what? Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So it's gone from <laughs> well, so, it's supposed to be a seven dollar fix. What the fuck? So we're getting a new toilet. Here, here's here's the Jimmy Pardo that I wish yeah. existed. Yeah. Jimmy Pardo wants a new toilet. He knows that Danielle will not say, yeah, we should get it. No, you know what's funny? She oh. wants it, too. Oh, is that true? We've just never talked about it. Okay. Yeah. There's a... Um, but you know where I was going with that. Yeah, of course. That, that you make the toilet not work, but you realize you have to work four hours yeah. in order to... Yeah, okay. To go, uh, you know what, there's nothing I can do. Uh, <laughs> so I even said to the guy, you know, we talked about it. Then I, like an hour later, I said, you know, the guy's coming to do all the work. I said, you know, there's something with that toilet. We should get a new one anyway. She goes, oh, my God, I'm so glad you said that. Because I didn't know that... I, she goes, I thought I was going nuts that there's something wrong with it all the time. Like, mm-hmm. great. So... <laughs> it was just one of those things like you just deal with stuff in life and, and, and now you can get a gold one like like uh, absolutely, our like our president elect yeah. uh for gold we got a week maybe a week of that bullshit left right maybe in a week uh that's not uh, happening anymore i was i was reading that that the actual votes don't get submitted till the 28th like the 18th is when they do their business but they don't actually go to congress until oh is that right something like that there was some there was yeah, some, c- c- out. congress has to certify it right right after the electors see here here's how messed up i am about i i literally had a dream last night <laughs> that another elector came out and said i'm also not going to do this and it was like i was so excited i was like here we go now we can get some momentum going like now we got two guys okay who else is going to jump on this bandwagon because after the weekend you know the stuff that we already all knew but uh he didn't know he doesn't know it's russia (laughs) (laughs) everybody everybody but one guy knows and uh, what i love is the people that are passing around the clip of hillary talking about it at the debate yeah and he said a nice way to pivot. Like he completely took her out of it. Right. But she was like, what is more important is we're being hacked by Russia. Yeah. And yeah. and the fact that it this to add to what you were saying about the weekend, we'll get to your dream. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I already said it. It's it older. Um, and as, as you and I, again, this show, we're a comedy show. Yeah. Yeah. We've been saying it. it's not partisan anymore. Right. The yeah. fact that that Kelly Ann Conway's defense on everything is, well, she ran a bad campaign. It's not about that anymore, you assholes. Yeah. This is about the country. This is about being a patriot. This is about being an American. And, and, and even if what if 
you know, Trump won just fine. It just happened to be messed up, but that Russia successfully, uh, you know, tried to yeah. affect the election. That should still well, be that's, a that concern. should still and that should be his response. His response should not be attacking the CIA. His response response should be, hey, you know what? As pro- I'm going to look into that. No kidding. Like, it, there's no. Uh, that's what's so weird about his his reaction defensive. to it. It's it's very defensive. It's very to me. It's another one of the million tells of yes. you know that that indicates that this is you know incredibly shady besides the fact that he says he loves putin i mean i (laughs) but but it's like who doesn't and that's like i get that he's not a politician and his whole brand is i don't do the like things that politicians do but like a regular person who has the responsibility of being our country's leader would try to at least make people feel a little bit better about the institutions right that but he doesn't care about everybody all he cares about is that those morons that show up at his rallies and making sure they're still happy like you see their nonsense on facebook and twitter like their response to everything is still pictures of hillary with devil horns it's like it's 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 not about about hillary clinton anymore you can't accuse her it doesn't matter she's gone she's She's, done she's gone we're not any other republican yeah pick any other one yeah. Pick any other one. Now, would I love it to be her because she's won by three million? Of course. But take her out. of the, She's not in the equation anymore. This yeah. isn't Democrat. This is America. Right. Put it. Give it to Mitt Romney. Give it to uh, John Kasich. Give it to John McCain. I don't give it to that rambling old man who's actually <laughs> the, the, the moral compass of the Republicans all of a sudden. Right. You know, well, give it to, to anybody. It, it's not about. So stop with the Hillary. So when Kellyanne Conway goes on this morning with Andrea Mitchell and says, you know, this is, you know, the, or sour grapes. This this is not sour grapes. Yeah. This is our country has been invaded cyberly. <laughs> That's a this, great sentence. What I do you think of that? that? Anybody I, like that? I stand by that it's, sentence. We, we've, been, we've been invaded bigly cyberly. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, that is true to our new Thank leader. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're finally embracing him. I'm embracing well, Listen, we might not have a choice. The fact that this is like, it's not. No, it's crazy. You have to believe in an alternate reality. You have to basically. Uh, push aside all like not just all media reports but also all intelligence reports so you're basically saying i believe a conspiracy theory over the cia uh the fbi the 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 new york times the washington post every news outlet everyone who's these people do jobs is they don't just pull the shit out of their ass like like the fucking nut jobs on the other side do right these these are actual reporters who who follow like chase leads and they have real information like if you just want to like throw facts out the window which obviously this this group of people they really do want to do that then what are we left with we have nothing there's no you know you can't run a country you can't wow. function as a society if you have no if you can't agree on facts at all that and, and it and it's exactly what you said it's facts it's not it's uh i'm just, I'm just I, I don't i my, my brain cannot fathom anybody that's still like let's pretend that you bought all of his bullshit mm-hmm. about i'm gonna make i'm gonna bring jobs back which he's not automation and even these union guys are saying some of these jobs are never coming back. Right. Why do you think your job coming back of, you know, putting a, a sticker on things? You're, you're, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for him to. So let's pretend you bought all that. Let's pretend right. for a second. Like, OK, I bought that. You know what? I, I am. I'm not happy with everybody making more money than me. I have been out of work. I, I'm right. not happy pushing a car to Walmart. Whatever it is that you're doing. What the man has done in the past three weeks is enough to then. And then for the Russia thing to come into it is like. Hey, maybe now's the time to go, you know what? Maybe Mitt Romney wouldn't be a bad idea. Maybe we should all rally behind the idea instead of still supporting this demagogue. Here's the here's the problem. The, the, when you're when you take that position, 
you now you become entrenched in defending it like everybody does that like it's just this like the the nature of human psychology is that when you say this is what i believe then the more people throw uh things at you that say that's not true the more defensive you get and like look i'm I'm as guilty of it as anybody i rant and rave about people like how could you fucking vote for this guy how could you do it but what those people need to hear is not you dumb fucks what the fuck is wrong with you You're so fucking stupid like that's just going to push them further of back course, right. into their defensive crouch but this what is- they need to hear is we are here we are waiting to welcome you back to the world and i know this sounds condescending and i'm sorry but we we will welcome you with open arm, arms the very minute you say you know what enough of this this guy is a a con artist this guy's a liar it's it's done i'm done taking this shit i want to be on the right side of history we're here we're waiting for you we will love it we'd love for you guys to come join us that's that's what they hopefully put mid in office so we could do this yeah i mean look i'm not kidding around here no i know we do we need like because obviously that side saw hillary as extreme i disagree with them about her being extreme but i understand how the system works i think the pendulum needs to swing back and forth we had eight years of a democratic president and a Republican Congress that obstructed everything he fucking did. But if you want to swing back and forth, then let's swing back in equal measure to the other side. Now, Trump is not the equal measure no. of, of Obama on the right. He's not. He's he's beyond, like you said, he's beyond partisan politics. So if you want to say, well, here's a guy who's like sort of, you know, like a, a Romney. Sure. Like uh, Kasich, maybe like I don't like these guys. I don't like their policies, but at least they have beliefs and policies and they they think this is how the country this is what's going to be best for the country that we can work with like then then there's something to debate and then we can talk about issues and not talk about you know russia interfering with our election and trying to destabilize democracy across the western world they're doing the same thing in germany now of of course but and there should be no argument to that as an american right like how do these fucking cold war these old fucking white guys who ranted and raved about the soviet union for 50 fucking years like our grandparents generation and our parents generation grew up with this fucking (laughs) shit how are they suddenly like oh no it's so fine so no big deal oh the head of the kbgb who's now a fucking dictator in, in russia he's interfering Oh, no, that's fine. As long as my side won. That's Take it younger. Take, same thing. Take it younger. These guys that walk around in their American flag shirts and, and their Confederate flag uh, flying yeah. off their General Lee. Yeah. You know, it, it's like th- this is America. Why all of a sudden are you ignoring that you, this country that you right. quote unquote love? You're willing to throw away. I mean, I, I don't. I don't get that. The that's whole, the part you that, think that Russia that Russia re, reemerging as a dictatorial entity would just raise red flags for everyone. They don't believe it. They think that Russia will, should be our friend, that they're they're a great ally to us, but they don't they're not looking at the civil rights violations and the human rights violations that have happened in How Russia. How about the invasions? How about taking over hey, Crimea? Their own guy isn't an ally to them. That's right. the, like they don't even see but that. But they're not looking at they don't care cuz they don't they don't want to fucking research or read or they they don't have they have no sense of They got their memes. And what kind of friend tries to cyber attack because they also apparently attacked the RNC servers too. They just held on to the information, yeah. right. and we have no idea what they're doing with it. We don't know what the RNC, which they could use in a year if, if DT, uh, DJT gets an office, or they maybe they could have already now. used it to get the the Republicans to lie down and accept Trump. You know what? You're not wrong about any of that. So right. uh, it, look, it's it's crazy, but I, I think the younger generation, I can kind of understand if you if you didn't grow up 
during the cold war like like we did i grew up at the tail end of it where like there was still this thing where you'd go oh well we could be nuked like any day like just every day of the week i never had to do the like the thing where you hide under your desk you know but there are met these young these young people that these doomsdayers right and all that so there is still that element out there which by the way if there's a doomsday i don't want to be around I don't want to be just me and four other people walking down a fucking street hoping we find a thermos with soup. I don't know. There's a guy who's going to shave half his head. That seems pretty exciting. That guy's an actor. That guy's been on our show. Oh. The second highest guy we've ever had on the show. That's that's not a documentary? We keep our tempo clean on this show. You understand that? We? If Mantegna, you don't keep your tempo clean? I do. I do. I never come come on here with any kind of anything. Wait, what? Is this new information for us? Do you smoke the ganj? Oh, I have once in a while, like once a year, maybe. But you don't, yeah, yeah, you know, you don't ever. Uh, on 420? Do you do, do you let up on 420 for celebrating? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you say you don't come in here or anything. Well, no. Of course not. Yeah, what no. are you doing in your spare time? What Mushrooms? Mean? What do you say? Yeah, right. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a very light drug user. Extremely light. What does that, okay. What the, I don't know what any of this means. This is new information here. So you dabble. I've dabbled. There was one year where I had a lot of back pain and I had uh, <laughs> marijuana, probably a legit back pain. And, and marijuana maybe once or twice a week for, for about six months. Ella, you had a chance to sound a little cooler, and then you go right to back pain as the reason why you've done <laughs> He's drugs. an but, earnest person. He's right. not going to lie to a bit yeah. to make you happy. <laughs> well, but, but then since then, yeah, out. it's fine. It's not. It doesn't do a lot for me, but every once in a while, it's nice and relaxing, sure. As a reminder, this room, we keep our temples clean in here. Now, if we need we to want, Honestly, him. this guy needs to. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Finish, oh, finish no. Your, yeah. finish oh, no. Your, don't, um, don't jump no, in here. No, no. I mean, I never... What Never, we do here. If I got to resort to drug testing, I'm going to resort to drug testing. Well, I won't stand for that. Well, you could sit down. However, you're going to piss, <laughs> right, piss into the cup, whatever <laughs> whatever you're comfortable with. I can fix the toilet before you do that. More than happy to do it. And by the way, if you need a super over there at your apartment complex, I'm more than happy to come over there. Uh, Four hours, and then I. Uh, That's the other thing. Do oh, plumber. Now, what was on the list of like ways you could have gone with this now, problem? Uh, now, Garen, uh, are you going to go get our guest? Explain to Mr. Mantegna that I'm his Jimmy Pardo. I'm from television. I'm also from Chicago. Let him know I'm from Chicago. And uh, that we're in the middle of the show. Come on in. I'm probably going to yell at him. Probably going to yell at Pardini. Right? We're going to maybe sing Saturday in the park. A lot going on. All right. Go welcome him in. Go ahead. Your question? That's Garen's backpack in the middle of that couch. We're going to need some, some chairs here. This is not, this is not can, the way I to present ourselves to Joe Mantegna. Come on. We, got, we, got, we have an esteemed actor coming in. I'll, I'll move some stuff. Fat Tony's here. Come on. Let's clean it up. What's that from? The Simpsons. I don't watch it. Oh my God, he's a classic recurring character. Somebody said that on a picture the other day about Joe Mantegna. They said, "Hey, it's Fat Tony," and I don't, I don't know who that is. It's possible he's best known for that. You could ask him. I mean, he's done a I, ton I would of say huge... Criminal Minds. He's best known for Criminal Minds. But Fat Tony is a... what about House of, House of Cards, House of Games, House, God, House of Games? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, our friend uh, John Katz co-wrote. We'll talk about it with, with Joe. That's right, Jonathan Katz. Yeah. Well, I. Fat Tony's basically the mob boss in Springfield on the on the Simpsons. I'll give you a quick education before he walks in the door. I don't need to know anything about it. It's a cartoon. It's a fantasy land. Super. You might as well <laughs> tell me about that dinosaur that helps him clean the quarry on the Flintstones. I don't care. Well, I don't. It's part of care. American pop culture history. Yeah, and that should have been put to bed twenty years ago. I don't disagree with you. I would I would say fifteen. Great, great. <laughs> of course you would. Just yes, and me for once. God <laughs> damn it! Well, you don't watch it, so I'm telling you exactly when they should have stopped it. I know when it was when people stopped talking about it. Wearing the uh, have a cow, uh, don't have a cow T-shirts. I would have been real upset if it had ended twenty years ago. If it had ended fifteen years ago, it would have been like that's about right. Thank you. And then we could have enjoyed. That's the problem. There's so many episodes now. It's like they're robbing us of the ability to go back and appreciate and enjoy the old ones, which I'm sure people still do. But 
you can't keep up. Like I don't. There's a million episodes I haven't even seen at this point. Let me ask you a question. What do you think's happening out in that hallway? Do you think Big Tony is uh, Fat Tony's uh, whacked? Uh, no, here we know. go. There's Peter Pardini. Hi, Peter. Hey, Welcome in. Where, now, where's weather. Joe? Uh, he's on route, probably. Probably. You don't have to come in with your weird costume. <laughs> you can wait <laughs> out there. Just get off the slopes. <laughs> what are you doing? You, yeah, you, you're skiing on a pile of cocaine <laughs> out on the... That's what he said outside. He's like, what, what, what It's are you nice doing? outside today. Why are you dressed as if you're a, a, a modern-day Unabomber? <laughs> <laughs> the weather changes so much here that you never know when you walk outside if it's going to be worth it. And I just didn't feel like going back inside with the wardrobe change. Well, I'm going to tell you nine different things about your appearance here today. You look great. Thank you. The, uh, the glasses look great on you. I'm a big fan of that jacket. And I'm not going to just say I, I like you without the hat, but you look fine with the hat as well. Well, thank you very much. I have three of these jackets if you want one of them. Well, they're not going to fit me. You're a much bigger man than I. Well, well, well thank Why you. do you have three of them? <laughs> uh, it was one of those Christmases where my mom bought three of them and my brothers didn't want them, so I got all three. Why didn't your brothers want that jacket? It's a good-looking stand-up. It's a great-looking great jacket. Isn't that a beautiful jacket? Your brothers are crazy. Yeah, your brothers are stupid. Yeah. I've what? never hated two people more in my life. <laughs> what were well, the other sizes? Uh, they're all the same size. Yeah. So I think they either were too small or too big Give for them. Give us a spin, Pete. Think that would fit me, Jimmy? I might take it right off his back. What do you think of that? That might, that might fit you, Matt. I'll sell it to you. Wait a second. A second ago, you were giving you got these three jackets. of them. You got three. What do you, you well, the, the market's changed, apparently. Well, there, no, there's, there's, more no, demand. there's no demand. Yeah. One. This is, this is pay to play here. You, you walk in this door. You want to be on the show. That's you a good point. Give up a jacket. That's a good point. We're promoting that film of yours yeah. for the 19th time. I know. I'm so thrilled that it's finally coming out. That's awesome. <laughs> January 1st is going to be on CNN. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome. To, I'll tell you something. As a guy that watches uh, television, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't watch MSNBC in, uh, other than AM Joy on the weekend, uh, because they do that, you know, I, I don't need to see a guy living in prison. I don't need to see that stuff. Right. You know, so I, so I flip over to CNN, which I don't generally do, but uh, on the weekends you have to. Okay. You want to stay in touch with what's going on and how our country is crumbling. Um, <laughs> I've been using the internet. That's uh, you, were, you were, I've been sick, though, so I'm laying in bed and I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. watching the CNN. I'm also on Twitter nonstop and uh, following what's happening and, and nothing changes in the four days I was laying in bed sick, but uh, other than Russia hacking our country uh, or the information coming out. Uh, again, the information coming out again. <laughs> again. For the, for, again. You know, that's come out as often as me pr- plugging Pardini's movie, for Christ's sake. Maybe that's it. Maybe January 1st, the Russians watch this Chicago thing and everything changes. That's actually my worst nightmare is that some national disaster happens on the day that the, the doc's supposed to appear and then mm-hmm. it doesn't air. You know what? Take, take the win. If something happens, well, it could go bad. But if, if let's say, let's say Trump says, I'm out. I, I, I resign before I'm even, uh, if he does that on Jan 1, then take the hit for our country. Take the hit for our country, Pete. I'll take the hit. Take the <laughs> hit, you. and then you know because they're, they're always good. then then with our country's happy, and then they run your documentary. Everybody's watching it in joy. But mm-hmm. what if even worse? Trump decides that the documentary doesn't air. Oh boy! Oh boy! He that, that. that that raises a whole bunch of other questions. Yeah. He may be anti horn. Yeah. He may be anti-Trombone. He He's probably like, I'm more of a Manhattan transfer fan. I'm going right. to go forget Chicago. Guys are losers. Always like blood, sweat, that, and tears. That one guy killed himself. That's a loser. <laughs> right? That's what he would do, this asshole. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Peter Pardini's here. The movie starts on... And see, that, Pete, here's the thing. Listen, I, here's what I want to have happen for you. 
I want them to cancel this on the 1st of January. And I mean that sincerely because it's happening at a time where everybody's watches CNN because our country is falling apart. So all of a sudden people are going to go to CNN. Hey, let's see what's going on in the news. What the fuck, Satara? They're not going to want to see that. They want they want their news now. You want this happening when the world's jumping, baby. You want you but want what happiness. If, what if something crazy happens like in the next couple of weeks, like with the electors, then they'll be running promos for the movie. Well, I that's, why I was, that's why I brought it up. It They're could running. be great for you. I turned the TV on last night just to see if a promo would be on, and it was like the most surreal experience to see, like, right when I turned it on, there's the trailer for it. Oh, wow. Cool. So that was kind of cool. But it's great, right? I mean, and then they do that short one, too, the short little uh, trailer. Little five-second one. Which is, is a Saturday in the Park? Yeah. And then now more than ever, the story of Chicago. It's, it gives me chills. As, awesome. a, as a lifetime Chicago fan, mm-hmm. it gives me chills that it's coming out, uh... You know, the great Joe Mantegna makes an appearance. I, of course, make an appearance for reasons that nobody understands this second. <laughs> um, and uh, we look forward to it. Now, Pete, are there uh, – let's get this out of the way since uh, before uh, Joe gets here. We can talk – and we'll talk more about it, of course. Um, did you go back after the Hall of Fame, after Jason Sheff has left the band? Is there anything new like that? Do you talk to a Jeff Coffey? We do not talk to Jeff Coffey just because, you yeah, know – he well, he came into the band. He wasn't even an official member until about a month ago. All right. So you know, he was a fill in for five months, and then they decided to make the change. And uh, the only thing that we changed since the last time you saw it before this this version uh, was the Hall of Fame, right. and that's you know like a clear ending to the movie now. Whereas I, I will, before, I will tell you this yeah. though, I kind of liked when it was like you had when that, it was more you when it was Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. like it certainly well, it certainly helped the film. But my piercing blue eyes, but you, uh, I, I think. Look, I, of course, I, nothing was greater than the day that we were all there at the at the Hall of Fame. That was the greatest for uh, for those of us as fans. But I liked that your documentary showed this amazing career, and at the end, it was like. And can you still believe they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Like, can you believe this bullshit? Yeah. Like, so I thought that was a neat uh, ending uh, dramatically. But, of course, you're right. For the arc and the story of the band. Now, hang on. Now, here comes Joe Mantini. He's walking in. Look at Joe. He looks terrific. He's wearing a, some sort of a letterman's jacket. Right? He's comfortable there. He's next to uh, Pardini. Joe, welcome in. Now, uh, Garrett, did you walk Joe through it a little bit that we're in the middle of the show? We're going to bring him into the gear. Right? Did you tell him I'm mad about the potato wedges? Did that come up yet? <laughs> no, it hasn't. Joe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you now and give you a chance to walk out. Okay. I had the most uncomfortable experience at your restaurant that I've ever had in my entire okay. life. Okay. This is when you first opened. Okay. And oh, I, well, what is that, 13 years ago? Yes. I can't be responsible for anything 13 years ago. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this. I've been holding a grudge right, for 15 ahead. years. Now, I know you've changed this since then. Yes. I walk in. I'm from the, you know, I'm from the south side. I'm right. from uh, 79th and Cicero. Right, I go to your restaurant. I right. say, you know what, uh, to the uh, gentleman behind the uh, counter, I say, give me, a, give me a combo and a side of fries. And he says, no fries, potato wedges, like yeah. in Chicago. Oh. I never had potato wedges. Well, was, was that your restaurant? We, 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 first of all, you called him a gentleman, which that doesn't seem to fit anybody. That okay, all right. Well, you know your staff better than I do. So I mean, uh, yeah, that was thirteen years ago. That's long gone. That was an incorrect thing to say. But you know, you, you have those early on. You get the, you have to kind of like you know. You have to feel your way with your clientele and everything, and with your help and all that. You gotta get fried. So they had to get accustomed to, you know, 
uh, you know, the whole Chicago way of doing things. But you go in there now, you'll get, yeah, what do you want? Fries? Yeah, sure. Okay, you got it. Yeah, get the fries. If you want potato wedges, if you're like one of those guys, you can have that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, we recommend the fries. And you get the, what do you get over there, Joe? You get the combo? What do you get? The- I get the combo. I have, I, have, I have actually a sandwich named after me. It's called the Joe's Half and Half. And what do you, that's? Uh- it's half sausage and half Italian beef. And you get the but hot pepper? Rather than mix like a combo, though, I mean, literally, half the sandwich is yeah. Italian beef, half of it sausage. So you can kind of like, you know. Enjoy both test. worlds. Enjoy both Love worlds it. without yeah. that combo deal. But, you know, the combo's good, too. I like Joe's sandwich as well. I like mm-hmm. it all. I like all the sandwiches over there. It's delicious. I go there whenever I'm uh, in that part of town. Taste Chicago. Yeah, yeah, right near my house. Right. Camarillo? Is that what it's on? No. On your corner of Verdugo and Hollywood Way. That's right. Verdugo, not Camarillo. Yeah, it's one of those names. Do you live near there, Joe? You don't have to give me your address. I do. I live in Toluca Lake, which is just, you know, the restaurant's actually literally in Burbank, but Toluca Lake starts about three blocks west of there. And that's so I'm literally in Toluca Lake. With, you know, Toluca Lake, it's a neighborhood. It's Los Angeles I live. Are you, uh, Joe, are you, uh, is there talk of expansion? Every time I go in there, there's nowhere to sit. You thinking about expanding at all? I w- you know, when the Cubs were playing, I wish I would could have, like, taken over, you know, the the... the Staple Center because I could have filled it. Everybody was coming to your place. Yeah, but then you know it's just one of those things. No, you know I, if if I expand it, then I'm Portillo's. You know what I mean? And it's which is God bless him. You know Dick Portillo made a huge industry of all that. But we're just this. We always opened it just to be kind of a little neighborhood place and love it. To introduce people to Chicago food. I'm not, I'm not a restaurant tour. You know what I mean? You're it's, an actor who was an actor. Uh, yeah, my wife wanted to open a restaurant. We said okay, let's do it. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to have had a bigger place at times when we like when the when the Bears player. Bulls or the Sox, mm-hmm. or the, you know. You get White Sox guys Cubs. in there, Joe. Absolutely. When the White Sox won the World Series, we did the same thing we did for when the Cubs won the World Series. We had a big, you know, uh, it was wall to wall fans. Uh, it was great. It was great. And as you can imagine, when the Cubs won this time, I mean, it was like the end of the world. Uh, it was just unbelievable. The All parking right. lot was jammed with news trucks, and you know, they almost broke my, our hearts again. But as it turned out, but what a what a series that turned out. Well, we'll talk more about that as yeah. the show goes on. You're here for a long time. Joe Mantegna Great. is here. We're going to talk restaurants. We're going to talk about menus uh, <laughs> and the band. We're, we'll, we'll talk. Of course, and we'll talk. Band. Yeah, we're going to talk about the <laughs> Chicago. Band. Uh, Joe, all right. Joe Mantegna is here. We'll take a break. Uh, Peter Pardini is here too. Let's not uh, dismiss Peter Pardini in his hat. Uh, it's here too. Where's the hat back? Why'd you put the hat back? Joe walks in. You put the hat back on. Show your gorgeous head of hair. I don't know if it's, is it all frizzy? It yet? looks great. It's it the best great. it's ever looked, and I mean that sincerely. Yeah, it's a little you've crazy. never looked better than you've looked right now. That jacket and the hair and the glasses combo is terrific. <laughs> then Mantegna walks in, you put the hat back on That's like an a hole. We all got hair. Everybody got hair here. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an odd thing in itself. <laughs> you got hair. You got hair. Everybody's got hair. All right, Joe Mantegna is here. We'll be back right there. I'm wearing them right now. There's no reason why you shouldn't be wearing them too. I'm talking about Martin Bow. Yep, me too. Look at this. Ping. Yeah, look at mine. Ping. Ping. These are handcrafted jeans, Matt. You know that. They're made from premium quality denim. Yeah. Focus on the superb uh, denim. Uh, they, they put a focus on superb denim quality. Great look. Great feel. I, I, uh, the other day, you said that you don't, you forget you're, you're wearing jeans. You think uh, when mm-hmm. I was – I literally, as I was leaving my house today, uh, when I had everything in tow going out to the car, I thought, dummy, put your pants on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I thought – because I've been sick. Yeah. I thought I still had my sweatpants on. Right, right. They are so stinking comfortable, and they look good, and they feel good. Just like Billy Ray Valentine and the other guy, Lewis Winthorpe III. Now that is trading spaces. Nope. (laughs) Trading places. I can't do – I can't get – I don't even say that for humor. 
Yeah, I know. It's it's that that show ruined my favorite movie because now I think that too. It also but, ruined my favorite Martian. Oh well, that was pre-ruined by a poor script, <laughs> and premise, and acting, <laughs> and everything. God, did I hate that show. Oh, I was talking about the movie adaptation. Oh, I don't. Really, I, I talk about the television. It would be the great Bill Bixby. Was that, and, was that bad? Who was the guy? The guy from uh, Fast Times. I can't think of his name. Yeah, hey, Mr. Hand. Mr. Hand, and he was Ray, in that, that famous Twilight Zone episode too. Wasn't he also in uh, Picket Fences? Or he died a couple years ago. I think that was Ray. Not Ray Walston. Does that sound yes. right? Yes, that sounds right. Did I get that right? right? Did I nail that? Martin Bow. Martin Bow know how to do it. Now, speaking of uh, great stuff, uh, Martin Bow not handle themselves. Mm-hmm. They're a New York-based startup brand that's revolutionary the way that gentlemen and ladies wear uh, buy jeans online uh, with their price point and free home try-on program. Matt, speak to that, please. This is how it works. You go on their website. You say, yep, this is the style I want. Click, click. Then you go, what, what size am I? I guess I'm like a 32 usually, but uh, sometimes I'm a 31, depending on how they get it. And they go, oh, wait a minute. We'll send you the 32s and the 31s. You try them both on. We send you an envelope that's pre-printed, pre-paid. You, the ones that don't fit, you keep the ones that fit, obviously. I don't need to say that. But you, the ones that did not fit, you put them in that envelope. You send them right back. No cost to you. Easy peasy. They got short lengths. They got 30-inch lengths now, not just 32 and 34. So if, uh, if you're a regular size guy like I am or Jimmy, uh, then you're very kind. You're all set. <laughs> I got an email today from Martin Bow. Let me know that they have some new uh, some new product over there. I forget what it was, but uh, what uh, is it? I got an email. Is it uh, what is it? Let's take a look. Skirts. Uh, Denim skirts. <laughs> no, I think they're sticking with the jean. Okay. Kilts. Um, hang on. I'm going to go uh, to uh, what I call my mail program. You familiar with that phrase? Man, if only we had queued this email up before there they we are. started the- Martin Bow. Oh, they were just letting me know ground shipping deadline for Christmas is 12-14. Okay. Well, Uh-oh. this episode comes out on 12-14. So got to be tight. The evening of 12-14. Got to be tight. That is a good Christmas gift. Or if you're, you're going to see someone the week after Christmas, because you probably don't have time to order them from time for Christmas now. Well, you know what? Uh, but, you know, you're probably going to be getting some gift cards or getting some uh, Visa Boom. gift cards or getting some money. That's right. Martin Bow's the way to do it. These jeans are fantastic. I love them. Matt loves them. My wife loves them. Uh, they're already underpriced, but the deal just got better for you. The Never Not Funny listener. Go to Mott and Bow, M-O-T-T-A-N-D-B-O-W.com. Use the promo code Pardo. You're going to get 20% off. Uh, I got so excited when I saw that email that I almost bought another pair. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, uh, dude, you don't need four uh, pairs of Mountain Bow jeans. And then I thought, maybe you do. Then I thought to myself, maybe you would. Maybe you will be getting a Visa gift card ah. for Christmas. Take advantage. Yeah. I'm ready for another pair, too. Uh, I want to, like, I like these, but I, I also want the darker, like the ones you're wearing. I want that. Absolutely. So get them both. And the jeans all have fun names to them. So uh, com. Use code Pardo. You get 20% off. Thank you for your time. Matt Belknap, you let the cat out of the bag via Twitter and Facebook. I did. Uh, my 2005 release, Pompous Clown, limited time, available on vinyl. That's right. Uh, brand new back album cover uh, art done by Ryan Corey, which I loved. I approved. Yep. Artist approved. Yep. Uh, and then what I love about it, first of all, I, lo- I love the label. Labels looks awesome. He did that too. He, did, the, he did everything. This guy did it right. And then look how beautiful that oh, is. Wow. Look how beautiful that vinyl is. That's called a ruby swirl right yeah, there. Yeah, damn right it is. I've had a ruby swirl, by the way. This looks exactly like that. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what you fuck somebody with around the rag. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, what Jesus happened? Christ. What happened, guys? We're pl- Counterclockwise? Plugging an album here, Jimmy. <laughs> what happened? 
You yeah, brought you some off color humor. It should have been plugged. Oh, no. Come on. Sounds like you plugged it. I did. I stopped that bleeding. Oh, Jesus no. Christ. What the fuck? Oh, is stop it. I've well, never seen the right an ad go so wrong. This is technically size. still an ad. I know it's an ad for us. It's not, even my, it's not even my style of humor. It's horrible. No, it's, you All would right, get mad if any of us did that. Look at that beautiful. Look at the beautiful vinyl. Yep. Uh, Pompous Clown is available right now. You can get it. Uh, uh, well, Matt, can they get it in time for Christmas? Uh you're doing your best to do that, right? Yeah, we're going to do our best to, to fill no all the promises. orders we get. But uh, you know how mailing and shipping works cover. around God this time of year. Damn it, this looks beautiful. Also comes, everyone comes with a download card, so you get uh, the digital version. Sweet. I will say because of the limitations of vinyl, the digital version is the full album. The vinyl, we cut a couple of tracks to fit it onto oh, right. the 12-inch. So, but uh, boy, the cover looks great. The uh, It sounds great. Yeah. This is the, the very exciting 11th anniversary. Right. This is, uh, if you guys don't know Pompous Clown, it's, it's it's fantastic. It's Jimmy basically doing an hour of crowd work, which you guys are familiar with now. But this was right at the moment when I think you were transitioning into yeah. doing that yeah. more exclusively yeah. on stage. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's uh, it's phenomenal. You, you mentioned on the back cover how you... Uh, <laughs> You were you, you're swearing a lot on this record. There's a lot of swearing. Uh, There's so a lot of swearing. Maybe slightly jarring to the the modern day Jimmy Pardo fan, but it's so funny. I still swear a lot, but this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. If you want a little Easter egg, you can listen for Mike Schmidt in the back of the room laughing. Actually, yeah. you address Mike directly on the album because we found Jerry. Right. That's right. You got you got the long quest for Jerry was over. Uh, so yeah. funny. So check it out. Um, I know you guys are going to be excited about it. Uh, Go to a, uh, yeah, astrecords.com to purchase. And it'll, it'll be in stores in January, by the way. Uh, Great. This is, uh, this is a sort of pre-release. Uh, for five bucks more, they can get it signed, correct? Correct. All right. So they're, how much are they? 15, then 20. 15 regular. That's a steal. for the sign. Take advantage, guys. Pompous Clown is available for a limited time on Ruby Twirl Swirl Vinyl. You want to talk about the rag a little bit more? I'm on Zither Max. <laughs> hey, buddy, welcome back to the program, episode 1919 of uh, Never Not Funny. You know the show. We're 30 minutes into it. Uh, boy, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not 100% here. I'm still dealing with this strep throat nonsense and uh, a little exhausted, but we're, you know, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. Our country's falling apart. I'm falling apart. The whole thing's breaking bad. <laughs> Right, I'm wearing a lot of green. Matt just mocked me off the air that I'm wearing a green shirt no, it's and a green great. jacket. I like it's the military. Equipment. Russia's coming in. I'm trying to fit in militarily. <laughs> You're looking good. You're ready for the invasion. Right? I'm ready to fight. Bring it on, Ruskies. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Joe, I was in the Kiss Army for a little while. You should know that. I support Gene Simmons and everything that he stands for. Um, all right, let's go around the horn. We'll say hello to everybody. Uh, checking over there at the Pop Culture Beast Info Desk, sponsored by DogPaul.com, Gary Cockrell. Hi, Garen. No, it's not. A Hello, sir. No, Gary, did you get a haircut? I did. Looks great. Looking real good. We were talking about hair right before the break. Yeah, your hair, I, mean, I saw you walking across the street here on Ventura Boulevard. I said, look at that good-looking guy with a long poster. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I thought uh, even from a distance, the haircut looked nice. Thank you. Joe, you mentioned hair earlier. What do you think of Garen's haircut? You like it at all? Yeah, he's got hair. I mean, you know, that's, that's <laughs> right there. That's a big plus, you know? I call it a super cut. Oh, you, you, you go over there? Went over there. Sometimes I go to Sam. That guy's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any other chains. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> what about Floyd? Uh, you can go to Floyd. You can go to, uh, go to Sport <sighs> Clips. Floyd's. 
Go to Sport Clips and just bro out. That's the worst place in the world. No. Unless they're a sponsor. They sponsor? No, they're, oh, they're horrible. I'm, I don't even know where. I've never seen one of those. Where are they? They're actually, you know what? I actually had a really good haircut at Sport Clips once. But you go in there and everything's, you know, hey, we're guys. We're getting haircuts. That's what we do. Look, we're getting haircuts. <laughs> I don't like that. Right. You sit over there and a, a blonde's going to come over and massage your shoulder. It's, it's really. So it's a little like Floyd's because Floyd's does that weird massage thing, too, which. You don't like that? I like it, but I, it makes me uh, uncom- uncomfortable and self-conscious. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. Do you close your eyes during it? <laughs> I think that's worse. I close my eyes, pretend it's not happening, because I don't disagree. You're getting a moaning. massage in the middle of the haircuts. Away. Joe, you know, when you get your haircut on set, you go to a place? Yeah, no, I, pretty much on set, especially when you've been, I've been on a series now, 10 years. So it's like, and the hair's got to be kind of... You know, you can't come in like a blonde on Monday, right? And a brunette on Tuesday or something like that with streaks. I thought I'd try something, you know, for the <laughs> for the next episode. So yeah, they kind of keep it uh, a certain kind of deal, dealy wheely. You're over there on Criminal Minds. You've been out for ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you, do you like being on a series more than doing movies? You know what? I like it now. I really do. And when I say now, I mean like the last ten years. Because what it's a, it's the lifestyle change. You know, the work is the work. I mean, you stand in front of a camera, they say action, they say cut. It doesn't matter if you're do, doing a movie that costs them $15 to make or if you're in run, doing a movie that's cost them $150 million to make. My job is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I do that thing. You know, they go action, I do it, and they say cut. But the difference is the lifestyle. When I was doing mainly motion pictures, which is great, I have, you know, I love doing it. But I was totally at the whim of, you know, what that movie was, where they were going to shoot it, how long they were going to shoot it, and all of that, which can be disruptive to your lifestyle if you have a wife and children and, mm-hmm. and all that. So it was great for many years. You know, they traveled with me. We went all over the world. I, I, I loved every minute of it. But there came a point in my life, you know, after over 40 years in the business that I said to myself, you know, it would be nice to go home <laughs> at the same place every night mostly. And, you know, for a good portion of the year. Mm-hmm. But the trick is to find a, a series that has legs, you know. Right. So Patinkin quits and then uh, and let's yeah, get he did me a solid. You right. Know, like he took a, he, the South Side walked in, the West Side walked in. The uh, South Side walked out, the West Side walked in because he's South Side Chicago, right. actually. So, uh, so yeah, that worked out. And, and, and the showrunner at that time, his name was Ed Bernero, who was an ex-10-year Chicago copper. Oh, wow. So here he's an Italian guy from Chicago, copper. I was thinking, what's, what's bad about this? Right. You know, the guy even knew what Italian beef was, you know. So uh, it was great. I, I, I've loved every minute of it being there. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, I, like I said, I feel very blessed. I've had a great career. If I, if I may do other movies in the future, theater, whatever. I don't know. I'm not a big planner. I take things as they come. Mm-hmm. And when that came my way, it was a perfect fit, and I'm glad to be there. All right, Joe Antonio. Thanks for coming in, Joe. All right, Pete, your movie. Okay. Uh, all right, Garen, anything else of import before we move over to Peter Pardini? We got uh, Joe Mantegna here today. Don't muck us yeah, up with yeah, your I went no. to a garage sale stories. <laughs> I did not go to a garage sale. What'd you do? You got a, why do you have a, you have a big uh, Kylo Ren poster? Oh, I brought that in in case anybody wanted it for their kids. What, I can't do something nice? <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did Matt take it? He wants it. He just wanted it's, to it's, it's too scary for my son. Could you could you hang it up in the garage? Maybe uh, that'd be weird. But maybe you have a man cave. No, I don't know. Hey, I got a man cave over there. Sport clips. It's like your man cave. You got over. It's like your man cave. It's like your man cave. But you're getting a haircut. It's great. Yeah, hey, we'll put a, a cloth on your forehead. Worst. They did that at Supercuts, and I don't. They did what? They cloth got a on hot. Oh, what do you mean you don't towel? like that? It's the best thing in the world. That I, cucumber uh, cloth. It wasn't a cucumber cloth. Maybe that's why. I just got a regular cloth. Was it minty smelling? No. She just wiped me down with it. I felt like a, oh. I don't know, like I just got out of the bath. It was weird. 
what's going on with these haircutting places? Yeah, they're all trying to one-up each other, man. It used to be you'd just go over and Sal would cut your hair, mm-hmm. right? Our guy's name was uh, Joe. My haircut guy growing up as a kid, Tony Esposito, not oh, yeah, the hockey perfect. player. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, when I was a kid, you went into the barbershop. You always wondered why all these guys would go into the back room and not get a haircut. What are they doing? They were all bookie joints. When I was a kid in Chicago... You know, most bar, no, I should say most barbershop, I guess most of the barbershops my family went to. Uh, guys would come in and they'd, and they'd come in and they'd look at the barber and wave and maybe they'd get a little, they'd do something to their hair, but there were constantly guys going in the door into the back room. And I always think, used to think, what haircuts are they getting back there? You know? Right. And my dad explained to me, well, you know, people like to bet on horses and this is what they do. And so, and it was, yeah, it's pretty well known that a lot of, a lot of barbershops were also bookie joints in Chicago. It never occurred to me because, you know, my, uh, my grandfather, we'd always go to places that like, where like, hey, hey it's uh, for Christmas. Uh, and we'd all get the exact same gift. It, it, it obviously fell <laughs> off a truck or yes, something. exactly. <laughs> and, sure. But my, we would go to the same barbershop and same deal. It never occurred to me until you just brought up that my grandfather and my dad would go to the back. Oh, yeah. And it'd be like... Yeah, uh, yeah they weren't going back to get the massage with yeah, the I cucumber guess not. towel. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, But I didn't even think it was gambling at the time. I didn't put two and two together until... Uh, uh, I guess now. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, good, good, good. There's a good chance that's what it was. Yeah, there's also a good chance they were mobbed up. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna uh, take that out of the equation. Well, you know, you never know. I mean, you know. Frankie Moon was in my family. Frankie Moon. Yeah, he was a uh, Chicago cop, dirty. <laughs> and uh, no. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that name. Am I allowed to say it? You brought it up on the show Frankie before. Moon. I forget if we did. We bleep, bleep it last it. time. It's a popular name, Moon. What's it? <laughs> Is it Frankie probably, Moon? There's probably a lot of Moons out yeah. there. You know what I mean. I Keith, don't know Keith Moon. Keith, I, I, my I, guess is that's not his real last name. Anyway, that's what I'm saying. Right there. The truth. That's what I'm saying. So that's if that's his mob name, and uh, I just outed him. Uh, well, he, that's okay. He's long gone, right? Yeah, I think yeah, but so. that doesn't mean his his uh, kin. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have the whole Moon family. <laughs> I'm gonna come What's home. gonna happen is gonna be about seven million Koreans are gonna come after you. <laughs> Say, wait a minute, we're the Moon. You're right. No, that's all right. I'll take the Koreans on. More than happy to do it. I'm five four. I can challenge those guys. They're sneaky, though. You know that about the Asian. Uh, uh, I don't know why I was nodding to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Garen. Uh, uh, we're glad you're here. The haircut looks terrific. Thank you, sir. Right? You looked. Did you shave today too? Shaved two days ago. You look great. Everything about you looks great. Everybody looks great today. Pardini's never looked better. You look great. Happy. Maintania looks dynamite. Full head of hair. Gorgeous. Still black. We're still talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> talking about you. Yeah. Uh, all right, Garen, give the mic over to. Uh, any, wait, anything else of import beside that haircut of yours? <laughs> Good. Can I say something about sports clips? <laughs> I oh, used to boy. go there all the time because when I went to Cal State Northridge, they had recruiters on campus that would come around and hand out free haircuts. Okay. So hmm. I went there, but I haven't gone since I've been paying. So we'll say that. Where do you go now, Pete? Uh. Supercuts, but I'm gonna have to go to a barber to fix to fix this. When what do you I, mean fix it? It looks the best I've ever seen your hair look. I mean, it's this. too it's too voluminous. No, first of all, I don't know what that word means. Second <laughs> I don't of either. all, uh, I do. Joe, your thoughts? Doesn't his hair look great? At my age, I look for a voluminous. I try to achieve that. Yeah, I think it looks good. I think it looks the best yeah. it's ever looked, Pete. Be well, proud of that head of hair. Quit hiding under that stupid hat of yours. <laughs> okay. You're not going to a skate park? Take that hat off. <laughs> That's true. I should probably just throw it out, right? Uh, I would toss it. <laughs> Seems to be the best uh, solution. Uh, all right. Peter Parnini is here. He's uh, brought along Joe Mantegna. Pete's got the movie that we talked about earlier. It's coming out on January 1st on CNN. We're already seeing the uh, the trailers on CNN. They're interrupting uh, conversations of Russia hacking us. And then here comes Saturday in the park. Uh, right? I think it was the 4th of July. Which What, what a bet. 
what 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 a great song right for that Fourth of July Independence Day Russia hacking right <laughs> maybe they play uh, a song for Richard and our friends maybe to play that Nixon getting impeached right also apropos does that does that song make the movie Pete? it does not make the movie I didn't I. I had, you know, 50 years of music, there's, and in two hours, you know, runtime, you kind of have to cut a lot of stuff. So I'm prepared for when it airs for people to be coming to me and saying, why didn't you include this right. song? Because my husband and I love this song. Why isn't it in the movie? But you included, but, I, I, I saw the first cut. I've not seen the CNN one. You've included a lot. And I, as I've raved about, and I will do so again, what I love about your movie is that you didn't just focus on 67 to 78. You know, because every other documentary, once Terry passes away, it's like and and then they had more success in the 80s with David Foster. It's always that (laughs) you focus. What I love about it is you and I said it before you focused on the post Kath years. And so you're going to include all the the year of the inspirations, the hard to say I'm sorry, that people did dance to. And I don't think you're going to get a lot of bitching this time. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it's good because that's what makes, you know, 67 to 78, you know, that makes the whole story work is showing what happened afterwards because this band was able to stay together when most bands would have just crumbled you know they 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 were recording i think three months later and i you know i've gotten people say wow their friend just died why are they they just like kind of forgot about him but my response to that is you know the average human being doesn't get to take four months off of work when someone dies that they know they they have to go back to work go back to work they've always treated it as not work, but just as something that they like to do all the time. It's not a vanity thing for them. You know, also the greatest tribute to Terry was to keep it going, I think. You know what I mean? I mean, this was... This this band, I mean, the fact that they, they've gone on as long as they have, I mean, it was it was, it was almost that was destined to have. It's, it's also I I find it to be the Chicago way of doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, guys from Chicago starting a band. You know, you lose a guy, and it's like, hey, we love that guy. That guy was a big part of the band. Are we breaking up the band? Hell no. Right. We're going on. You know what I mean? There, it's a it's it's city of the big shoulders. It's Carl Sandburg. It's all of that. Joe, you know? how did you get associated with the band? You, you and, and Walt were friends. I go back before they were Chicago. There, they were a group called the Missing Links. We're talking in the early '60s. I was in a band called the Apocryphals. <laughs> what did you do? There's about eight or nine people out there who would say, oh, yeah, we remember that band. <laughs> I was a lead singer, bass player. I did that for five years. I mean, I really kind of thought maybe this would be a you know a direction to go with my life. But we were playing the, the first job where we, I got where I first met these guys was we were playing the we were both booked to play the Kentucky State Fair in Louisville. And we we were one of the opening acts. And then there was this band, The Missing Links. And what they mainly did was back up the single acts. There was Bobby Sherman. There was Cannibal and the Headhunters, guys that had hit songs back then, mm-hmm. but didn't didn't come with their whole, own musicians. So here was this group called The Missing Links, and all these guys were able to read music really well. So even though they had some of their own stuff they did, they can back up anybody else. And that was Terry. Terry was in the group. Walter Perizader was in the group. And uh, Danny Serafin, the drummer. Those three guys who ultimately were three of the original members of Chicago, uh, that was the missing links, along with one other guy. And the other guy, the lead player, his father managed the group. And, I, and the, apparently there was not a lot of, you know, they thought they could maybe go a different direction okay. without the dad and without his son. So it was a few – we got to be friends with them. We, we played the gig. Then maybe 
I don't know, months later, we're playing a place called the Cheetah in Chicago, which was a good, there was a couple of them. There's one in New York, there's one in Chicago, really good, good, a good club. And they came to see us, the guys from the Missing Links. Those three, those three guys came, Terry, Walter, and Danny. How old of a guy are you at this point, Joe? I'm sorry, how old was how I? How old were you? And, I was and about, uh, I think it was 19. Oh. I'd say 19. 19, maybe I might have been in my 20th year, because I would say it'd be, I was born in 47, I was probably 67. So they come and see us, and I remember they, we came, they came into the band room during the break. You know, we're glad to see them. Oh, guys, thanks for showing up. They said, "Hey, we got this. We're, gonna, we're so excited. We're doing this new deal." We go, "Yeah, what is it?" Well, we're, we're, we're kicking out the guy that was, you know, we're, not that we're kicking him out. We just decided we're going to go separate ways. So the three of us, we're going to get like four more guys, and we're going to add, you know, two more horns and. A, Papa and an organ player, piano, you know, da da da. We're going to be seven of us. And we're going to call ourselves Chicago Transit Authority. And we're like, wow, yeah. And we're looking at them. Of course, as soon as they walked out the door, we're like saying, they're nuts. <laughs> They've lost their minds. They're going from a four piece band to a seven piece band. They're not going to make 10 cents. Right. You know. So we really thought they were crazy. And initially, I mean, we kind of felt that it might be true because they, they, they started playing. And they would do a lot of their own original stuff around town. But this is the honest God truth. More than once, we would get a call from some of these clubs because we play the same circuits. We'd get calls saying, you know that band, Chicago, Transit, they're here, they're, they're screwing up. They're, they're, they, won't, they refuse to play the top 40 stuff. And we were whores. We'd play anything. You uh, know, whenever you know, go into black neighborhoods, we played rhythm and blues. You put in the hippie neighborhoods, we played the hippie stuff. We change, just change the suit. You know, go from right. Paisley to a white temptation. Elf, whatever we had it all. Uh-huh. You know, we, we, we were chameleons, our band. And we'd get calls saying, we're throwing them out. Literally, we're letting them finish their set. They refuse to play the top 40 stuff. The kids are upset. You guys come and finish the night. And we'd show up with our truck, with all our stuff. We'd be free that night. We'd show up. And they'd be packing their instruments into the truck. And they'd be... You know, they're, Mother reffing everybody. They're and, pissed, yeah. yeah. But they, you know, they were pissed at us. They get, they, you know, we're like, and we're trying to commiserate with them. Like, yeah, guys. Oh, I'm really sorry. And we're thinking, what are they smarting up? You know, what's just play. You know, they want to hear, you know, Louie Louie play it. You right. know? Well... And of course, they disappeared for a while when they kind of getting their stuff together. They were doing their, their magic to create what they ultimately created. Then they started playing a little more around town, and we'd see them play, and we're saying, well, you know. And then, of course, the album came out. That first album came out. And I remember I was, a, I was acting at the, I was, I was studying acting at the Goodman School of Drama back then in Chicago. And when that album came out, and I heard that album, that's when I decided. Well, I, I guess I should quit the band yeah. <laughs> because I see now I have no future in music, and that maybe they they, they had they were, they were think they had something in mind here. They really had something going, and we were still playing, you know, Louis Louis and all that other stuff, and we were successful. We're making a buck, and you're having fun, right? Having fun, but but I, I had to make a choice. I knew I kind of either gonna, am I going to go to acting way, or I'm going to music way, and then when I got I got cast in the play Hair in 1969. Uh, and that kind of made the decision for me because now I'm doing eight shows a week, Broadway musical. There's no way I could be in a band as well. So I really had to make that choice. And I, and so and and I, I swear that that Chicago Transit Authority album, that first album, helped make me decide 
because I realized we'll never be that. We're good guys, and I love the guys in our band, but we didn't have that talent. We couldn't, we couldn't make our own music. We can copy music pretty good. Mm-hmm. We were a good cover band. You know, we'd probably still be playing you know the Holiday Inn here in Burbank if we were all together. <laughs> Do you guys ever still get? I always because I was in a high school band. Uh, and we always toy around the idea of getting, hey, let's get together and do one, do a reunion just yeah. for the fun of it. Do you ever do that with these guys? What's sad is the one guy, the one guy died, oh. you know, and, and as the way of many guys did in those that era, you know, a little too much uh, hard living. Okay. And the, the, the real heart and soul of the band, when I say heart and soul, because the guy who really was the best musician, the lead player, the guy who taught us the songs, the guy who, who they taught me to play the bass because they didn't want to hire another guy, basically. I was the lead singer, but they said, look, we're not hiring a fifth guy. Forget about it. You're going to have to learn how to play the bass guitar. And he was great. He had a stroke just two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's, he's doing better, but... You know, I lo- and the drummer's in Florida, and I think he's a psychic now. And so, I mean, <laughs> the odds of us getting together are kind of like, yeah, that, that that bus has left this the station, you know. But but uh, you know, we made some records. We had a good time. The memories are great. But that's what that's what I love about the fact Chicago is still around. That these guys, you know, you know. That 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 we knew so long ago. I mean, talking you know mid sixties. That the and that the heart of them are still there. The the, the the horn section is still the same. I mean, those three guys have been there since day one, right? And uh, and so I've known these guys for over fifty years. Some of them, I mean, Walter, literally that long. Uh, and the fact that they're still making great music, still sound great, that's enough for me. That's enough of a. And then I had the joy of them bringing me up on stage a couple of years ago at the Greek out here. They You're saying up. if you leave me now, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, which I wish I wish I could have picked a song that was a little more in my register, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. That's what's fascinating uh, to me, Joe. I don't want to interrupt, but I, I, I always in my head, because one time I actually, I put the money down because you could uh, bid to do that because it goes, right, goes right, to charity, right. to breast cancer. Right, exactly. Uh, and it was like, you know what, I'm, for my birthday, I'm going to put money down and if I win it, I'm going to sing with my favorite band of all time. How right. great would that be? And in my head, I'm going, but I kind of know Jason. I know some of these guys. But sure. I could talk to them and they'll let me do a different song. Because why are they making people sing Peter Cetera's highest? I mean, no, I know. I, well, maybe I think it's to say, see, it's, this isn't so easy what we do here. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Listen to this guy. He but can't do it. Why embarrass you to do nah, it? Like, it's okay. It was what like, would you have said if you could have picked any other? Uh, I was, I, well, I, well, I kind of, I mean, I know their music well enough to kind of know what I can maybe f- still fit in my register. Mm-hmm. I would have done, um, uh, Anybody really know what time it is? Because, you know, I'm, I'm still somewhat I can get into that range of, uh, you know, Bobby Lamb. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the stuff Peter did. No, forget about it. I mean, you know, some of the stuff he did, you know, you, they call dogs with it. You know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got the register. <laughs> I know. And then Jason does the same, you know, now. And uh, no, I, I was a high tenor in my youth, you know, but uh, not, not anymore. But uh, so, but anyway, what a thrill it was to be on stage with them and, and to look, you know, I look over and I see Walter. And I, and I look at the boys, and I think, wow, last time I, I even approached this was in Louisville, Kentucky, right. in like 1967, maybe it was, 66, 67. Was that the same night that uh, the El Pacino yeah, that they it was. shot that thing, and they made me an extra for two hours of my life right. unnecessarily? that was the same <laughs> night. Play your, play your show, fellas. <laughs> that was the same show, yeah, because yeah, we were all backstage hanging out, talking. I mean, Al and I, we knew each other from you know Godfather. And uh, yeah, that was kind of an interesting night. It was uh, the show was great, and, and to speak to what you said, and, and obviously we'll go through it all. But uh, a lot of people like to say, "Well, they're not the same since Terry left. They're not the same since Terry died." Th- these guys put on for seventy year old oh, men. Yeah. They 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 rock. Don't don't just get sucked into Heart of Sam. Sorry, and you're the inspiration. These guys rock. Well, first of all, nothing stays the same. 
You know what I mean? I, look, I'm on a show called Criminal Minds. We're not the same. We've got a whole different. We got three three new people in the last couple of years. But I feel we're in, in, in many ways we're better than we were, mm-hmm. and 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 the numbers are proven, and we're doing great. You know, so so you adjust and look at all the bands. I mean, the Rolling Stones. Look, go back. Rolling Stones are still around, but I go back to you know Brian Jones and 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 all that stuff, and they went through a bunch of different you know guys there as well. Uh, so nothing really ultimately stays the same, and maybe it's not supposed to. You know, that I think there, anything in life is an evolution, and so you and I, and I equate it to sports. Thank God the Cubs made some adjustments over the last <laughs> hundred and eight years. Right? <laughs> you know, you, you're constantly making changes. You're constantly trying to improve, and things happen. And 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 maybe when you start to, long as you, long as your intention is good and you try to get it right, that's all you can do. But look, it's a big world. And there's a lot of people in it. So whatever it takes to get it right. But I think, you know, the band, what a testament to this band that they've been around so long. And like you say, I mean, when I, especially when I did the shows with Earth, Wind, and Fire, I saw them twice do that. I mean, it's like talk about a, a show that knocks your socks it off. It really is great. Because when they do that thing at the end and they bring both bands together and you've got all that brass playing and doing each other's songs. Yeah. It's like, made you, first of all, made you proud to be from Chicago <clears throat> because this is like an all-Chicago night with these guys. And uh, so it was really, it's really great. But, yeah, they'll always be my favorite rock and roll band. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. People, if they watch Criminal Minds, they'll actually – I've had it on the set of all, all the shows you I've do. been on. I have, like, an album stuck in the corner. It's all signed <laughs> by them. You know, and then I have Cub Cups. And people wonder, what the hell? Why is David Rossi a Cub fan? It's the band Chicago. What's that about? I love it. I, I, right? That's fun. They're a little awesome. uh, what they call Easter eggs now. Mm-hmm. It's a phrase that I don't like, but they use it all the time. You get an Easter eggs in this film of yours, Pete, that we can look for? Easter eggs. Uh, no. I mean, I, we to get technical, I mean, we shot on several different formats to kind of show the progression of their career. So we shot on early 8mm film. We shot on 16mm, 35mm, all the way up to current digital. But, um, you know, everything's kind of on the surface with uh, with the movie. And I think uh, yeah, I think people will see – will finally see that they are, like you were saying earlier, more than just – you know, hearing, you know, you're the inspiration in Deadpool and they think that that's, that's Chicago. Right. You know what I mean? Or if you leave me an hour, baby, what a big surprise. And it's just, it was either ah, a pussy band and they're not. And that's a, really an unfair, uh, they went through that era, but everybody in the mid eighties did, you know, hearts wasn't the same heart that they were in the seventies that like Joe said, everybody changes. I'll tell you a funny little story. I think Hang you on, Pete, Joe has a story. <laughs> I was doing a movie searching for Bobby Fischer in Toronto, yes. Canada. This was a, like in the, whatever it was in the nineties, and I get a call from Walter because he, he called my house and my wife had said, "Oh, Joe's in Toronto." He goes, "Oh, wait, we're going to Toronto." So he calls me, reaches me in the hotel. He goes, "We're coming to Toronto. You want to come see the band?" I said, "Fantastic." I says, "Can I bring some of the cast members?" He goes, "Of course." He says, "We'll pick you up at you know." I told him at the hotel we're staying at. He said, "We'll pick you up at the hotel." Blah, 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 blah. Wow. So now I go to Joan Allen, who was in the movie, played my wife, and Sir Ben Kingsley, who was also in the movie. And I said, look, I've got this band. These friends of mine, the group Chicago, they're coming to town. They're going to play here. You guys want to go to the concert? It's going to be like Friday night. We're off. They'll pick us up. Uh, you know, and, and Ben, and they were going to be playing with the Moody Blues. So what was great is for Ben, the Moody Blues were like Chicago was the right. He was like, oh, the Moody Blues. Oh, that's my, I love that band. That would be wonderful. You know? So now we go out in the lobby. It's Friday night. And, and so Ben's going, so uh, is the car coming soon to pick us up? I said, well, Ben, I don't think it's going to be a car. And then all of a sudden, the Chicago bus pulls up in front of the hotel, you know, with Chicago on the side. And I see Ben looking at it like, whoa, hello, you know, what am, what am I in for here? Now, I hadn't told the guys in the in the band who I was bringing. You just I said, said the cast. I said a couple, right. couple from the cast. 
So now the doors open on the bus, and there's all the guys. There's Pankow and, and, and Walter and all the different guys standing there. And they, they'd see me, Joe, Joe, and I go, I introduce Jones next up. That's Joan Allen, oh, Joe, Joe. Now Ben Kingsley comes up. So you see it on their face. They see him. And all of a sudden, all these guys from Chicago, all of a sudden, they, like, they, they, they change. They're, they, they're, they, their eyes glassed over, and they went, oh. Well, hello, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Kingsley. How are you? Oh, please come on the bus. So it's like all of a sudden they got like, like it was like, like it was like grammar school and like the the, the nun walked in right. or something. So they he comes on the bus and I, I'm 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 laughing to myself because everybody's like, well, hello, oh, please, uh, Mr. Kingsley, please sit here. And I'm thinking, what's going on? These guys are like they're they're transformed. But I, I let it go because I knew it would take them a minute to find out that Ben's really a, a good, you know, he does have that thing about him, but he's underneath it. He's just a guy, you right. know. And so now as, the, as we're going along, we're driving to the venue and we're all talking and blah, blah, blah. And I think they're starting to get, the, especially the way I'm tr- talking to Ben, that, 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 hey, you know, you know, maybe he's like, okay. And finally, Pankow, you know, he, he can't take it anymore. And then finally, they're offering Ben, ben a beer. Would you like a drink? Would you like, we'll have, we have some beer here if you'd like a beer or something. And he says, oh, that would be lovely. You know, da, da, da. Finally, Pankow just flips out and goes, I can't believe it. We got effing Gandhi on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was it. You know, Ben started laughing and that broke the thing. Right. And what a night it was. So, And, and I'll never forget both of us standing in the wings of the concert. Ben, especially watching the Moody Blues like he's 10 years old, mm-hmm. watching that band, and then me standing in the wings with him watching Chicago like I'm 10 years old watching that band. And uh, what, what a night it was. And so it was, uh, it was you know, I, it was when royalty met, you know, <laughs> Chicago royalty met London royalty. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, and the movie airs uh, January 1st on CNN. Uh, do we have a time on that, Pete? Yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Are they going to re- uh, rerun it, or is it just uh, one and done? How are we looking at Yeah, they're going to do an encore showing. Um, it's a 98-minute version of the movie showing at 8 o'clock and then 11 o'clock Eastern Time. And then I think they're going to be rerunning it here and there after that. So wait, um, they're rerunning at 11 o'clock that night, which would be Yeah, it's just Pacific. two in a row. Two in a row right, that night. It. Yeah, and then it's going to come out on Blu-ray and DVD a couple months after, I think, and it's going to have tons of special features and it's all gonna that. It's going to have extras, a little more Pardo, maybe? A little more Pardo, <laughs> yeah. talking more Pardo? <laughs> more Pardo. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't know what film you, you were talking before about 8mm, 60mm. I don't know what you used for me, but my eyes have never looked better on film than in this thing. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you magically lit my eyes. Did you use an iPhone at all? <laughs> for, well, <laughs> did you use the iPhone? I'm done, I'm we sure. actually, did, actually, you know, there's one part in the movie where uh, I needed a, a female voiceover in the part where Jimmy's talking about writing just you and me. And he's talking about how his wife went into the bathroom and said, I don't want to see you anymore. So I had my girlfriend, Katie, go into the bathroom and I just took my iPhone out and I recorded her through the door saying, get out of here. I don't right. want to see you anymore. And that's in the movie. So, yes, we did that's use iPhones. <laughs> but didn't you also make a video with them using iPhones? Didn't you, uh, for, is it for now? Off uh, the latest yeah, album? that was an idea they had that, and and I understand it now, is, is that they wanted it to look like their early home videos. And so since now home videos are, you know, shot on basically everyone's iPhone and phones are the new home video, uh, it was easier for me because I had eight cameramen suddenly, right? <laughs> Not just me, but uh, yeah. Now it's shot on iPhones. I thought so. Yeah. 
But there's no way for that to look like the old home movies only because of uh, technology, right? No, there's something so – I mean in, the, in this movie there's so much old footage that has never been seen before that Jimmy was holding on to for some reason. I went up to him at uh, the hotel we were staying at after we interviewed him and I was like, Jimmy, like I know you have hours – of old footage and pictures that no one's seen. And he's like, well, I'm saving it. I'm saving it. What? I, that's what I said. I was like, what are you saving it for? And he goes, well, what if, and then he kind of stopped himself and he's like, yeah, you're right, buddy. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah. I went to his house in Nashville and he just has this hard drive sitting there. Mind you over like the original prints of like, now that you've gone like his writing notation on that. And he just doesn't have it categorized anywhere. It's just sitting there. And I'm like, is that an original? He's like, oh, yeah, it's just sitting there. And he plugs his hard drive in and there's all this footage that I've never seen, pictures I've never seen. And that's all in the movie. Right. So now more than ever, the history of Chicago, January 1st on CNN. Uh, we'll be back to checking with Elliot Hopper. Elliot, everything all right over there? Yes, sir. All right, Elliot, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we got, we got uh, excitement I, I, in the room. We can't. Uh, uh, anything of import we got to talk about that you could tell Joe that he managed an apartment complex and poems? <laughs> Maybe I, I, Joe I, wants well, to. My, 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 the thing I was going to say is that I, I bought some Nazi stamps over the weekend. What? Nazi stamps. What, you getting in early? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? Well, I was at a – my lady friend wanted to go to an estate sale, and we go to this estate sale. And I'm looking at a thing where there's some quarters and things like that. And then at the back of it, there are all these things. They turn out to be um, like package receipts that uh, were during World War II. And I couldn't figure out why I was so interested in them. And obviously there's things going on now, whatever. But what I – I bought some of them. Because I was like, these are interesting and whatever. But then I realized it's like, this is, I don't know, this may sound dramatic or whatever, but holding those things is proof that that ended. It's proof that that time period is in the past. And and I as a... Look at this. Yeah, right? And <laughs> I as a descendant of, of Jewish Americans, I can buy those things and it's like, I have the freedom to do it. There's nothing stopping me, and I can hold on to that thing and know that that, that happened, mm-hmm. and it's gone. And and so I, I don't even know how to respond to this. It's the most heartfelt you've if ever you'd spoken. Have, if, you'd have, if you'd have found like you know return envelopes among the pile with a Hitler, and the, right? And the, you know, Burbank. You know what I mean? <laughs> he had an apartment up on Lino. You know, Send something over to Bob Hope. Yeah, exactly. What's the, what, yeah, yeah. So this is what really happened. <laughs> I got to tell you, world. Did you ever see Bob Hope walking around uh, Toluca Lake, Joe? Oh yeah. He, you know he used to ride around because I I still live in Toluca Lake, and, I, and my house is probably three blocks from his. And sometimes we'd see him in his golf cart. He had this golf cart with a big nose on the front of it, you know, that was specially <laughs> right, built. Right, had right. his big nose, and he'd be driving around. And and if you ever saw him on that golf cart, the best thing to do would be just like pull over and stop. Because my feeling was, you don't want to be the guy that clips Bob Hope's <laughs> right. golf cart. You know, that, that's probably a federal offense. First of all, I remember one time I came home. Uh, you know, it was late at night, and there was limousines all over the neighborhood. I mean, up, down, each block, everywhere you could go. And a lot of guys walking around the limousines, guys in suits walking around looking very serious. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on tonight? Because this was more than any party you could ever imagine. And just just something odd about it. And so I happened to see one of my neighbors as I got to my house. And I said, you know what's going on across the street, you know, across Riverside there over by near Bob's? 
He goes, yeah. He says, and I guess it was Bob's, maybe it was his 80th or 90th birthday. I forget what it was. It was quite a while ago. But three U.S. presidents oh, Jesus. were attending. Really? So it was, it was at a time when I think you know, you know, Gerald Ford was there. Bush was there, or Reagan, Ford, and one other guy. I forget which president it was, but there were three. One, I think, current one, and then two guys that were past. And they were all there at the party. So you think about the amount of Secret Service you need for three U.S. presidents to be in the same bungalow in Toluca Lake. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, that explains the, yeah, the traffic jam. Right. You know. <laughs> Uh, of course, that happens now. Whenever the president comes into town, they close up every street, and you can't oh, uh, yeah. get home for 45 hours. Yeah. Uh, now, Joe, you and I, uh, I'm not going to say we have anything in common, because we don't. Uh, I'm not talented. Well, you're Southside uh, Chicago. That's other than pretty that, good. That's yeah, close. Yeah. But I, in community theater, out of high school, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts after oh, high school. The one here or the one in New York? In Pasadena. Okay. Uh, before I moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um but then I went back, and in Tinley Park, I did Bleacher Bums. Oh, and I yes. think I did the role that you originated. Did you play Decker? I did. That's the uh, role I ended up playing. Wow! So walk me that? through that. You, you, and uh, who did you co-write that with? Well, I conceived the play. Okay. I conceived the play myself, but well, then I co-wrote it with the original cast. Basically, I mean, and, and rightly so. Everybody contributed. That's Dennis to, Franz was in it. Dennis that Franz was in it. Um, well, I'm, Keith Sarabica, Richard Fire, Roberta Custer, Carolyn Gordon. These are all the original cast members. And where did uh, you originate it? And, and, and it, was, what it, it was the Organic Theater. 19, I was a member of the Organic Theater for five years back in Chicago. And it was the end of our season of 1977. And we, we, we basically existed. A lot of it was grant money. In other words, we were this nonprofit little theater company. And we get as a lot of the theaters did, there was the... Uh, Steppenwolf was around then with, with all those great actors out of there, Gary Sinise and Malkovich and Joan Allen and all them. Bill Peterson. Bill Peterson. Yeah, Bill had a group called Remains, actually, at the time. Bill and Donnie Moffat. But we were the organic. We we all got, we all of us, these little nonprofit groups would get these, um, you know, government kind of subsidies, to, what are grants, basically grants to, 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 to put on plays. So we'd run out of grant money. It was the end of the summer. It was like July of that year. We had no more grant money, and so Stuart Gordon, the director of the theater, says, does anybody have an idea for a play that costs nothing? Because we really have no more money, but if you got something that costs $200, we could probably scrape that together. Now, being a huge Cub fan as I was, and I would always go to this one section of the bleachers, just to the right of center field. And the guys I sat with were these characters. There were these gamblers and these, I mean, the, the characters basically of the, ultimately the play. And it used to amaze me, especially now at that age I was then where I was into, in, interested in theater. I used to look around thinking, this is so interesting. There's such a diverse group of people watching these Cubs. And here's this team that's fairly mediocre, mm-hmm. but yet they're drawing 30,000-something people to watch them. And, and and it's not even just about the ball game. They're just happy to be here, and, and a lot of them have nothing in common with each other. But then the game's over, they all go their separate ways. But then they come back the next day. And I'm thinking, if I could get that in a play, I'll, that's a be like jackpot. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can get that same feeling in a theater piece. So I explained it. I raised my hand. I literally raised my hand saying, I, th- I have an idea. I said, what's the idea? I says. I sit in a section of the bleachers. There's all these characters. There's gamblers. There's this guy, Richie. His name wasn't Richie, but I because we changed all the names. It says this guy comes covered in frosty malts. He's like a mess. But he's, he seems to hit it off with this one guy who seems fairly wealthy. I said there's women who come just to get a tan but you know, because they get in for cheap or free, whatever it was, on Ladies' Day. I said, it, it, I think there's a play there. I said, but just come with me. We'll all sit in a section. And if you agree, well, maybe we can do something. 
So we all went as a cast, and we all sat in that section, and we went to three straight games. And afterwards, the company agreed. They said, absolutely, this is a play. You know, and and the fact that it's about the Cubs and about the fan. The fact that it wasn't about the Cubs. It's about the fans. Right. It's about fandom. It's and about relationships and relationships. What makes a fan? You know what they are, and 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 it's intentional that at the play, everybody comes in singly. Everybody enters the, the ballpark singly, and at the end, they leave in couples because things happen during the course of the play to kind of create these bonds. But the one guy who leaves alone is the guy who wins, Marvin, the guy who bet against the Cubs, the guy who bets on St. Louis. And that was intentional too. So we did this nine, we, we, we improv In other words, once we, once we saw all of this, we all took character names based on the real guys. Decker is based on a guy uh, named Becker. His name was Len Becker. He owned a clothes store. He used to ride his bicycle to the ballpark. The blind guy, Greg, was based on a blind guy named Craig, who came with two other blind guys. And they'd sit up there. One would have the cowbell, and the other guy would have the radio, listening to the radio, to be able to call the play-by-play. So we just melded them into one guy. Okay. You know, Marvin was a guy named Ron, who was the, who used to kind of, you know, he didn't bet against the Cubs as much as we had him doing the play, but he was the guy that was more there for the money and didn't care really who won, you know, where Becker really was a Cub fan. Okay. You know, and Richie was this guy who was like, he was this this guy, he was a, he was a total mess, this guy, but he knew a lot of things. Like you'd, you'd, you'd ask him, named it, they could get bored, they'd say, hey, whatever his real name was, I forget his name, they'd say, Richie, you know, name the 50, 100 U.S. senators. And so between innings, he'd start rattling him off, South Carolina, North Carolina, and it was like, I think this is like, this is, this is, this is unbelievable, you know. So that became the genesis of the play. We did improv for about seven hours worth of improv. From that, we cut it down. We brought in a guy named Dennis Paoli who helped us restructure it, who was somewhat of a writer. And we opened it in the summer of 77, and it was a huge, huge success. It has gone on. It ran here in Los Angeles for 10 years. We, We opened it in 1980, and I was in the original production here. And it ran from 1980 to 1990. I mean, just it was a waiver theater, three nights a week. But still... I mean, it showed that it transcended being a play about the Cubs, obviously. It was a play, like I said, about people, why people, you know, are fans, why they they embrace a loser. And I remember back then in 77, I did an interview, I think it was for the Sports Illustrated, who gave it a really nice review. But they said to me, they said, well, you know, your play, the whole crux of this play is that the Cubs ultimately are losers. What are you going to do? When they finally win the World Series, your play is going to be dated. And I remember saying back then in 77, I says, well, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. (laughs) Obviously, I've come to the bridge. I just crossed it, you know, last month. But I couldn't be happier. You know, Uh, 108 years is is enough. It's enough. Time's enough. My mother's 101. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And 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 she's still in Chicago? She's still in Chicago. And I I, I think about it sometimes, and I think, gee, the Cubs were on a seven-year losing streak when she was born. Right. (laughs) Uh, And and so, you know, it was time. It was time. But anyway, Bleacher, I'm so thrilled to hear that you got to do Bleacher. It was great. uh, Loved it. I was originally cast to play the... uh, uh, the cheerleader. Yeah, okay. And then the guy that played Decker uh, had to fall out, and then it was an easy. Well, move. you know who got the, you know, played Decker? I directed a production in 88, and Dennis Farina played the great oh, actor, Dennis Farina sure. played Decker. Uh, George Wint played Zig. Right, right. That, and, the, the, and, the married and was, couple. Yeah, and it was great. Is That's the first time George had done a regular play. George had been in Second City and was mm-hmm. an improv guy and done all that. He'd never done a play before. So when he did Bleacher Bums, 
it really lit that fire in him. And that's basically this is what George does now. George goes from theater play oh, wow, play okay. to play, and I I, I, really, I really love that fact because I feel nothing else. Bleacher Bums introduced George to a whole other kind of another career as a stage actor. So it's 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 been a for me it's a dream come true to have this idea, and just to have an idea, and to have it you know come to fruition as a as a as a play that has had such popularity over the years. And it's really become a community theater staple at this point. Oh, yeah. Really. They just did it in Chicago this summer, in fact. And, in fact, I have an idea for it, and I'm thinking about it. I mean, somebody says, what are you going to do now to play? You'll never be able to do the play again. I says, you know what? I think there's a way of doing it now where what you do is you open the play with an old guy sitting in the stands, and he's an old guy, uh-huh. and it's today. And a kid comes in, and the old guy's crying. And the kid goes, what, what are you crying for, sir? And he goes, well... I mean, look, we're the world champions. I'm looking at the flags. And he starts telling the kid the story. He says, well, let me tell you about, you know, when I used to come to the ballpark. Then he st- then you go into the play. Right. Now you see the whole play as it is, the old the original play. Then when it ends, you come back to the old man and the kid. And then they're talking and the kid's saying, wow, that's something. But now they're the world champions. He goes, yeah. Then the guy gets up to leave the old man and, he, and the guy's well-dressed and all that. And he goes... And you find out that the old man is actually Richie. Love it. The slob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's learned his lesson over the years. Decker embraced him, blah, 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 blah. And he's a successful businessman now. All those other guys have passed away. But he's he, he, he remembers that story because he was part of it. Yeah. And I thought, well, that'd be a nice little... I think it'd be great. Yeah, I think it'd be great. More so importantly, we'll we have an exclusive here on Never Not Funny. That's the <laughs> important yeah. thing, is You've heard it here. I don't know if it's going to happen, but... I, it's like... going to happen, Joe, but I need to tell you this. Uh, we get co-producing uh, credits. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're going to get a credit. Yeah, Absolutely. we're going to get some back in <laughs> right. on this. Thing. I may even have you play Decker again. I'm in. You know what I mean? There'll be a, there'll be a dream sequence. <laughs> Well, I, uh, listen, it makes sense because uh, you uh, originated, then Dennis Farina, and then certainly Pardo. Those are the three <laughs> like best acting talents yeah. in this town. It's the trifecta. They're all great Chicago acting. acting. All Chicago acting. Two all great the, guys at an eight hole. Are you Italian? A half Italian. Well, you know, that's enough. Yeah. The Pardo sound, that's, uh, that works. Yeah, that, well, that part's 100%. It ends in a vowel, so I mean, you're in. So we got well, Montaigne, <laughs> Farina, Pardo. I like it. I'm in. I'm uh, more than happy to do it if you want uh, to get great reviews, except for the one role. <laughs> if it's not going to be everybody shine except for the stand up comedian that insisted on mucking up every part. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think you'd be great. You'd be great, Decker. I Thank you, it. Joe. Let's do this then. Yeah, Let's quit talking yeah, about absolutely. it. You film it. Yeah. Right? Get your iPhone and your girlfriend, and we'll film this thing, <laughs> and we'll do it. Uh, all right, Joe Mantegna. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with more. Joe, you got a little bit more time? Yeah, I do. All right, here we go. Take a break. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, guys. Matt here with some dates for you. Joe Mantegna is on Twitter, at Joe Mantegna. He does not tweet himself, but uh, you can get information about him on that Twitter account. Uh, meanwhile, Never Not Funny is going to be live at uh, the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, uh, Indiana on the 29th of January. Jimmy Pardo is doing co- uh, stand-up comedy on the 27th and 28th at the Comedy Attic. So go to their website if you want to get a package deal. You can get tickets to both the stand-up show and the podcast. Uh, on That's a matinee on the Sunday, the 29th. Uh, come out. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Before that, we're going to be at Flappers in Burbank doing our monthly residency one week early in January. That's on January 2nd. So uh, come celebrate the new year with us in uh, Burbank at Flappers. And uh, what else? I think that's it for dates. Obviously, Podcastathon 2017 is coming up. Tickets are sold out, but you can watch it at NeverNotFunny.com. That's going to be on the 4th of March, uh, noon to midnight Pacific time, also at Flappers. But again, tickets are gone. Uh, so check it out at NeverNotFunny.com. And uh, you can get all our dates and deets and uh, links to tickets at NeverNotFunny.com. Click the tour link and enjoy. 
Hey, we talked about it on the air. Garen Cockrell and you and I, we were very uncomfortable getting a massage at the uh, uh, styling salon. Well, and it's just uh, they rub your shoulders for 10 seconds. Like, that's not a it's massage. It's not enough, is it? No. It's not if, enough. You, if you want to get serious about a massage, check out Soothe. Here's what I could do uh, is give you more information about Soothe. Yeah. Uh, these guys, this is it. It's easier than ever to, uh, to find time to relax, whether you're at home, at work, or traveling. Soothe delivers a massage to your door in as little as one hour. Yeah. When it's time for your massage, a licensed therapist will arrive with all the essentials for a quality spa experience, including table, fresh linens, music, oils, lotions. You don't have to go to Backpage.com anymore for this. (laughs) I'm sure they don't want me mentioning some porn site. Uh, Book your massage in less than 10 seconds on the mobile app or website soothe.com s-o-o-t-h-e.com now this is i I bring up this is a legit massage Yeah, professional masseuse comes shows up just they've just made it easier to to get set it up and then you don't have to go somewhere they come to you and i'll tell you what matt because people are listening i'm not funny you can get thirty dollars towards their your first massage love it with soothe s-o-o-t-h-e when you enter never at checkout. Mm-hmm. N-E-V-E-R. Yeah. This is a stressful time of year. I think people are going to be excited to hear about this. Also, but, maybe a good gift. You know what? Go to the App Store, Google Play, download the app, Soothe. Uh, or you can go right to Soothe.com and schedule an appointment. So you can use the application or you can right. use their website. Uh, and if you use promo code NEVER, you're going to get 30 bucks towards your first massage. Who doesn't like a massage? Do you like a massage? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of it. What if I, I told you you can get $30 towards it? This might be, I'm, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I've never gotten a, a, a full massage in my life. This might be my first. I might do it. Take Just, advantage of it. I'm going to try it. I like the idea of it being done could, in my home. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I feel like that makes it a lot more appealing to me. I'm always, I always have that uncomfortable moment of, do I take my underpants off or leave them on? Mm-hmm. And I always ask the person, should I leave them on or take them off? And they mm-hmm. go, your choice. Oh, that doesn't help me. Right. Here's an idea. Order a massage and uh, make sure they come when your family is eating dinner and then you can just lie next. Like they're eating dinner and you're just lying on a massage table right next to them. Yeah, they getting worse. a rub down. There's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> like a monster. So then when I turn over to my erection ruins dinner. Like Frankie Moon. You can be like Frankie Moon. Yeah, he's got a moon like a face. <laughs> face is like a moon. Look at this guy over there. His face is like a moon. That is Frankie Moon. Hey, Frank, you know what Frankie Moon had to say? This week, my listeners get 30 bucks towards their first massage with Soothe, as I mentioned. Soothe Massage delivered to you. Tell them Frankie Moon sent you. Maybe don't. Took advantage today of the Harry's face wash, Matt. Yeah? Yeah, I didn't shave today. I did. But look I this. You look, I, I meant to mention this earlier uh, during the show. It, uh, it seems like everybody, Garen's haircuts and mm-hmm. uh, Peter Pardini's new look and uh, you're, you, everybody looks a little younger today. Oh, thank you. With well, the exception uh, of Elliot, who looks 10 years older. <laughs> Even after shaving that mustache. Hey, did you shave that mustache off with a Harry's razor? Uh, yes, sir. There of course he did, right? Use those blades. Those are German quality blades. Yep. That's rough for a Jew to take a German blade to his face. <laughs> but he's happy to do it because the quality from Harry's. Maybe it's cathartic. It's like, nah, the shoe's on the other foot now, you aggressive, you kraut. Right. <laughs> you think uh, Hitler used that when he had to go into hiding after he didn't totally didn't die at the end of World War II and he used a Harry's razor to uh, so. shave that mustache I think off. the first thing he did was shave that mustache off. Yeah, with a German engineered blade. Right. I think he grew I, I think he grew out a perm and shaved his mustache <laughs> off. Are you saying are you saying Elliot might be an ageless Adolf Hitler? I believe it could be. Oh my god. How old would Hitler be today if he was still alive? Oh goodness, I don't know. And I put still alive in quotes. 
He'd be very old. Let me, let's old. all guess. Okay. Let's bet right in the middle of our uh, <laughs> all right. of our Harry's Razor commercial. <laughs> Who's in on this? I'm in on this. I've got a dollar. <clears throat> I only have 20s. You want to spot me? Uh, I can't. I only have a dollar. All right. Well, just pretend I'm putting. Who can spot me up on that? Anybody? Here. I'll put in uh, 45 cents. Oh, wait. I got change. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know why that worked that way, but there you go. That's two ones. All right. Meanwhile, remember, of course, we're still doing a commercial for Harry's. Harry's Razors. Featuring Hitler. So much easier than buying razors at the store and so much cheaper, too. You get better quality razors delivered to your home for a fraction of the price. Come on. And you don't have to go to Germany and risk running into this Angels Hitler. Right? <laughs> oh, wait, what's all this change? Is this That's your dollar. Adding to my dollar. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is the one time that Garen's in because he didn't look up the information yet. Yeah, we, okay. We surprised him with the gamble. How old? Here, The question is, would he be older or younger than Joe Montaigne's mother? Oh, I think he'd be older, yeah. He'd be older than Joe Montaigne's uh, mom? No. You, you have to believe he would. Yeah. I, I, I've got a number. All right, you guys aren't on mic because we're doing an ad, so you're just going to have to yell it I'm out. Not gonna, I'm not going to say Even it. then, it's not going to be recorded. So. I understand. Hang on. He was, you might be able to. I could sort of hear you if you yell loud. 41. All right, well, if you have to do 70, gymnastics in your brain, why don't we start with Elliot? Yeah. 121. 121, says Elliot. Garen? 97? What? Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm going to say 109, though, based on uh, the conversation preceding this. Okay, I'm going to say, oh, I like 109. Is that what you just said? I did say 109, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say 114. 114. All right, well, Garen looks up how old Hitler would be if he was still alive. <laughs> uh, let me tell you this. Uh, ground shipping for uh, for Harry's ends on December 16th, so act now. Oh, yeah. Go to Harry, harrys.com right now to get the holiday shave set. Now, let me tell you what that holiday shave set's all about. I could do that if I put my glasses on. It's a perfect gift idea, you guys. Perfect price point for a gift. What, what guy wouldn't want this? And they start at just 15 bucks. All of them come with a razor handle of your choice, shaving cream, replacement blades, and a travel cover. I love their travel cover. Yes. I love their it's travel just a cover. a cartridge that goes oh. over the cartridge to keep it dry and safe. It's perfect. Doesn't take up a lot of room in your dop kit. I love it. Yeah. Now, the Winston set includes an engravable chrome handle if you want to add a little personal touch. Nice. Sometimes while I'm shaving, I forget who I am. <laughs> and I like to look down and go, Gee, you're having a tough time. Yeah, I am. Uh, go to Harry's right now. Get the holiday shave set. And if you enter the code PARDO at checkout, you're going to get five bucks off. That's harrys.com. Use the code PARDO. Get five bucks off one of those things. Uh, one of those sets that we spoke about earlier. Uh, I like my Harry shave set. You'll like it. Matt likes it. Elliot likes it. Mm. Garen likes it. Hitler would have loved it if he was still alive today. He would be how old, Garen? 127. Who said that? 127. No one. He said 121. That's oh, close enough. That's okay. a win. Wow. All right, come and take your money. Good job, Elliot. Good job. But that doesn't disprove my theory that you actually are him. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you're like, I can't get it exactly right because that's going to be suspicious, so I'll just go five shots. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's. Harry's.com. We appreciate your patience with this ad. <laughs> Sorry to bring you down the Hitler trail. When your face could use a shave. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the program, episode 1919. Peter Pardini's here promoting uh, the Chicago movie. Uh, now more than ever, the history of Chicago comes out. Uh, it'll be on CNN uh, uh, January 1st, uh, 8P East, 5P uh, West, and then they rerun it immediately afterwards, you said, Pete? Yeah, right afterwards. Uh, now, listen, uh, you get to watch this thing. There's uh, the music. There's uh, interviews with the bands. Joe shows up. I show up, and unnecessarily, uh, <laughs> with my eyes popping. Uh, Ned Coletti. Is he still in this thing? Uh, the shortened version, no. 
Uh, Who gets whacked in the shortened version? (laughs) You do. (laughs) But uh, there is... Wait, Mantegna makes the cut? Mantegna is in the very beginning of the film. Even even Joe's last comments in that section were cut, so... But... But Joe's in the Joe's actually in the the ads they're running. <laughs> His voice is in the there background. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So well, good for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I went on Conan and promoted this effing movie, and you <laughs> cut me. I had. To. I promoted on national television. Let me say on this show to hundreds of thousands of people. You whack me. I'm going to look like a a fraud. You know how hard it is to cut down a 113 minute movie to 98 minutes when you already thought I it know was 30 cut. seconds that could have kept it. <laughs> you always you have to say he's in the prestige. Just director's cut. Yes, that you know will come out on special Positive edition. Spin. The yeah, special yeah. edition director's. I'm going to look like a. I'm going to get emails on January 1st. I thought you said you were in this thing. I'm going to look the fool. No, I'm no, look no. The fool. Just you explain. Could, just explain. Not explaining anything. I'm going to send them your way. Couldn't get okay. a couple of frames of him in there. Not even talking. Just, just like a subliminal flash. Like, Why was that? Like, what was that shot? Just like a flash of just Jimmy, like yeah. <laughs> just a right, wide eye. Picture of Lee Lochnane smoking <laughs> in the background. Pass. Hardo, baby. That's the money. That's the future. Well, but that'll be on the DVD, the Blu-ray, right? Yes, definitely. Right. Oh, okay, get the Blu-ray. Then. Definitely the extended version. I and then there's also. Down the line on CNN, there's even even shorter versions. So you're cutting a half hour out of the movie. Oh, really? But it's 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 interesting when you watch it. You you do see is just as a filmmaker, a editor, or whatever, like that. There are things you can cut to get your story across. That's why when I go see a movie that's like three hours and it doesn't have to be, you're thinking, and you see the interview with the director, and they're like, "Oh, this really needed to be there." And it's like, mm-hmm. that's you know. I remember when I worked on Godfather Three, I got in a conversation with Coppola about editing. And and uh, and one thing he said is he says when he does his movie he he first thing he does he puts it all out there and he literally he says what I f- have to do first is take out the stuff that I know I just have to have to tell the story and start with that and he says and then everything else I know is extraneous mm-hmm. so it just helps make him understand that you know literally I could release this version if I had to because it does tell the whole story and if it doesn't tell the story it it's Plan B. Right, you, know, you can't fall in love with stuff that doesn't help you tell the story. Was that a great experience, Joe, working on that movie? Oh yeah, as, as, as my friend Vinny Guastafaro told me, he says you're in Godfather Three, you're in the Italian Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's right. So it was like, uh, yeah. So just being part of that that trilogy is uh, it, it's it's one of those milestones that you'd like to be able to you know you make that little check mark on yeah. your. On the, on the, and the, the handle of your pistol, yeah, I'll put that notch in there. That was a good one. I remember the first time that I uh, learned of a Joe Mantegna. It was um, uh, House of Games, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, just watched that David Mamet. Uh, and I, I don't th- when did that was that eighty eight? That came. Uh, it came we made it in eighty six, and I think okay. it came out in eighty seven. Yeah. I, I don't know if my brain understood the Mamet writing enough to understand. You know, like. Why it was kind of stilted? Why right. the, with the direction? Or the, and and but I remember loving it and going, but there was something weird about it. Oh, yeah. And then only years later, going, that may be one of my favorite movies of all time. And yeah, it's, it's so held great. up. You know, it's like you know, Siskel and Ebert named it one of the ten best films of that decade mm-hmm. later on. And even I, I have to tell you the truth, as I was doing it, there were times when I was thinking. I don't know. <laughs> and I'd look at Dave, I'd say, yeah, okay, you know, all right. You know, sometimes you have to have just 100% trust and just go with it. But a lot of times I was a little confused as to kind of what, okay, all right, you know. But, you know, he had a, he had a plan. He knew he had it in his head, you know. And uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 become um it's like a cult film, and in Europe it's it's a big film. Is in, it? in France, every mm-hmm. once in a while they they re-release it as a feature out like at the movie theaters, and when I go to Europe. People will, oh, Hungry Nage, you know, this guy, they, they, they rename it, you know, Casa de Giochi, it's called in Italy. <laughs> and uh, it's it's like one of those films that uh, has achieved that kind of status. So it's like, great, but but like I said, at the time, it was, um, yeah, it was something. We were doing something a little, little, little different. It was, I wonder if it's like, uh, can it be considered one of the first indie films? Matt, you're a aficionado on this subject. Yeah, well, I think it, it was right in that that wave of 80s indie, you know, like Spike Lee made his first movie that around that same time. And, and yeah, there was like, that was starting to, I think it really exploded in the 90s, but that was sort of, uh, I feel like the, the beginning and people who were lucky enough to live near theaters that would show those movies would sort of get, uh, get that experience. I wonder why I went to see it, I, but I, I remember, I think I went with my mom. If I'm not mistaken, wow, my she's mom. a progressive mom. Yeah, she's because uh, <laughs> some of the language in that was pretty hardcore. Yes, it was. Yeah, uh, it luckily, was, it wasn't Gary Glenn Ross. It wasn't yeah, uh, that kind of well, language. Yeah, but there it's, was it's that. close. Uh, well, yeah, we were actually just talking about that. It uh, was a Thanksgiving dinner. All the inappropriate movies my mother took us to as kids. <laughs> right. We saw Jaws, and my dad took us to see Shampoo. Nice. Which is, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, why can't I never pull this guy's name? Warren, Warren Beatty. Beatty. Al Ashby. Uh, yeah, uh, Warren Beatty, you know, fucking all of the uh, girls that he works with. My dad took us to see that movie with his children. <laughs> well, sure. That makes, oh, sure. It's educational. Yeah, right. Cedric sure it is. Right? Uh, certainly for you and your haircut. Yeah. Right? Enjoy that cloth on your face. Look what's coming. <laughs> uh, that was Lindsey Krause. Krause? Yeah, Lindsey Krause. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you did another ma- mammoth thing. Did you and Franz do a mammoth thing together? I say Franz. Is if Franz I'm did with him. well. Franz did American Buffalo. That's what it he was. He did the movie. Oh, yeah. And who was that with? That was with Dustin Hoffman. That's right. Yeah. Well, I thought it was you. I'll yeah. No. 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 Ago. Yeah. No. I'm the other guy. No. <laughs> but I, I did. Of course, I did other movies. With, I did uh, Things Change with Don Amici. Was the next one. I right. Did. Great movie. And I loved doing that. Don Amici was just so. I mean, we called him Old Hollywood. That was like our nickname for him, you know. And he was just so to be able to just talk to him and hear about that era right. of Hollywood and just what that was about. Uh, that was a thrill in itself. Uh, and then I did the movie Homicide for Dave years later. Right. And then did other parts and other things. You know, did a part in Red Belt, did a part in um, Water Engine and different things. I think your delivery lends itself to his writing. You said something you Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's fortuitous birthing, I call it. <laughs> I mean, he and I were 18 days apart in age. We both grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They got to remember this, too. When you're an actor... And you, especially growing up in the era I did, so many plays came out of New York or London or stuff, other places, let's put it that way. And, and, and a lot of the references were New York, Brooklyn, Manhattan, you know, London, blah, blah, blah. Now, here comes this playwright out of Chicago. And he's writing in the vernacular of Chicago, not just locations, but just the way they talk, the way they think, all of that stuff. So it's just fortuitous for me that I'm kind of born in that same ballpark is this guy we happened to meet in chicago during the early 70s mm-hmm. and I, I mean i literally remember the time we met i was walking down the, i was going to uh, walking down the stairs at the goodman school of drama where i'd been a student like i said years prior and i was going there for some reason and he was there pitching one of his plays trying to get them to do one of his plays and he was joe nobody and i was joe nobody but i was doing acting he was writing and he sees me and he had seen me do a play at the organic the same theater he says hey 
I know you. you I saw your play. Pop, pop, I think you're really good. Uh, someday I will love to do, you know, you, you'll be in one of my plays. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah okay. right, whoever right. you are, Joe Nobody. Of course. <laughs> That'd be nice. Nice to see you, you know. Right. And next thing I know, this guy's doing, a, you know, he starts doing some plays around town, which I started doing. I did the original Life in the Theater in Chicago. Uh, I was supposed to do sexual perversity in Chicago, but I'd got this other job as the stand as the understudy for Lenny, the lead role in Lenny. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do your little play, but I got to, I'm an understudy in this big Broadway thing. Uh-huh. I, I can't do your thing, you know, which is one of my regrets that I get. I could have been done the world premiere of that show. But anyway, I wound up doing a lot of little things for David at that time. And it ultimately brought me up to when they did the original play, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, you know, they originally offered it to Al Pacino. And he turned it down. They offered it next to Robert De Niro. He turned it down. And thank God, Dave got the third pick, you know, the, the, because the producers, of course, and I understand it. They wanted a big name right. for the play. Uh, and, and Dave says, look, I get the third pick. We're not going to go through every Italian-American in Hollywood. <laughs> we got this. I know this guy. He's not. He's nobody, but I like him. And that's why Glengarry was the play it was. This is 1984. None of us were above the title. We were all nobodies, basically, just a cast of nobodies. But the play wins the Pulitzer Prize. I won the Tony Award and changed my life. I mean, that's that was the definitive, you know, moment in my life where my career went from zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wound up doing the play on Broadway for a year. Toured it with six months with Peter Falk, which was a thrill. What, what role did Falk play? He played Shelley Levine. He did the machine. Yeah, Shelley the machine <laughs> Levine. He did that for six months on the road with me. We played like Boston, Chicago, New York, uh, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco. It was fantastic. We became. You know, dear, dear friends due to, due to that fact. But anyway, from that point on to today, I mean, I'm still in touch with Dave. We, mm-hmm. we talk, uh, you know, he does his, you know, he's got his thing. I do my thing. But we're still, nothing's changed. We're still two guys from Chicago. Two jackasses from Chicago. But, but, but to get to your question about it, it's, it's just fortuitous that he writes that way. So right. I, I talk that way. So he writes that way. So it, was, it, it must have been a little like. And I don't mean in a qualitative statement like, you know, quality of like Shakespeare to this, but it must be like when Shakespeare was writing and the guy who originally played Hamlet said, yeah, well, yeah, I'll do that. Sure. You know, to be or not to be. Sure. I say that stuff all the time anyway. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? So I'm sure Shakespeare had his guys, just like Mammoth has his guys. I'd rather watch Mammoth than Shakespeare. I'll just, yeah, I'll say it here. I'll say it publicly. Well, well there you go. But see, but they, that's their guy. That's London's guy. That's their you know, guy. Mm-hmm. You and I, South Side, West Side, sure, we'd rather, yeah. of course, Mammoth, we, that's our Shakespeare. I have a question for like, and and I don't know the answer. I'm putting you in a weird spot. When when you do it on Broadway like that, and you win the Tony, and then they're going to make the film, and mm-hmm. they don't use you, yeah. And now how? What's your thought? Well, how I'll tell you. you about there's that? an actually an interesting anecdote to that. I was doing the play, uh, win the Tony, the Pulitzer Prize. The show couldn't be greater, you know, more successful. Now the show had uh, already closed on Broadway. Had done it a year. Now I'm on tour with it, and I forget what city we were in. Might have been Boston. Mamet comes into my dressing room. This is Donna Scott Truth. He comes into my dressing room and he's carrying, he used to carry this little like mailbag kind of bag, like a mailman carries. And, he, and if nothing else, he's blunt. He's one of these guys that he's a man of, just like his plays. They're very like, bip, bip, bip. they're concise. You know what I mean? This guy doesn't ramble on like I do, you know. <laughs> he comes into my dressing room and goes, Joe, uh, I just came from a meeting. Uh, sold the rights to Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, the movie. You ain't doing it. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, and that, this is that's what he said, and I'm like, is this oh, before a show? Yeah, yeah. I'm putting my I'm putting my suit on, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> no, I, it didn't that su- surprise me all that much. And this because I'm still Joe Nobody. I mean, and, and and the next thing out of his mouth was he goes, Al Pacino's connected to it. It's already happening. It's a done deal. The guy, the, that's why they bought the movie rights. And I get it. I mean, you know, they did Hello Dolly. 
you know, without um, uh, what's her name who did the original Carol Channing. Carol Channing. I mean, you know what I mean. But that happens a lot. You know, a play gets done, the movie gets done by somebody else. I get it. If I was a producer, I'd have cast Pacino of course, right. in the role. I mean, come on. I was. But the next thing out of Mamet's mouth, and this is the truth, he says, "Yeah, uh, Pacino's doing it. He's connected to it. You ain't doing the, the movie." And I'm like, uh, uh, "Okay, Dave. You know, all right. Good to see it." <laughs> he opens up his bag. And he takes out two scripts, and he drops them on my dressing room table. He says, these are two movies I wrote, House of Games and Things Change. I've got these two movies that I think I'm going to be able to get done. I'm not doing these movies without you. And I got to play the lead role in both of those movies. And now, now, I didn't wind up doing that in one movie until maybe a year or so later, and then the other one two years later. He could have even, things could have happened in that interim. But talk about a man of his word. This is what he said he was going to do, and this is what happened. And so I say to myself, so do I regret not doing the movie Glengarry Glen Ross? Yeah, I still regret not doing it. I would love to have done it, but come on. You know, talk about a, a guy being a stand-up yeah, guy. Yeah, Talk about really being, and he's Southside. Talk about being Southside Chicago. A guy saying, look, I can't, you're not doing this, but you are doing that. I'll take it. I'll take that any day of the week, so... And they're two great movies. Yeah. Great movies. Pete Pergay, your thoughts. Yeah, you had a similar story to that with Woody Allen about not getting cast in a Woody Allen movie and then sending him a letter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was great. That was kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, well, I. I, I, uh, When when I was doing the play um, Speed the Plow, a mammoth play on Broadway, I contracted Bell's Palsy. During the, I had during, palsy. You did, so you get oh. it. You know where half your face looks like yeah. Mr. Sardonicus. You know, like, I always would say, uh, this side thinks I'm mad, this side's yeah. having a good time. In fact, when Peter Falk came and saw the play, he comes backstage to see me and he goes, Joe, Joe, I love this thing you're doing with your face. <laughs> <laughs> this character thing you're doing. And I said, Peter, I'm not doing nothing. With my, this is my face. It's froze, you know. How oh. long did you have it? It lasted about... It was about six months oh, where it Jesus. was total. Yeah, because you know what it was is I don't know if you because I really had to learn a lot about it because I'm doing a play every night. I didn't miss a performance, wow. you know, because people just thought uh, maybe like Peter, like oh this guy has a defect, but that's okay. Works with it. He's a producer. He's a movie producer. <laughs> he's defective anyway. It's okay. Right. Uh, but what they told me is I was going to the hospital. Uh, you know, I did some clinical thing in New York at the time to have them think. Is there anything I can do? They said, look. All it is with Bell's palsy is this nerve swells up that's passing through the bone in your skull, and the, this virus hits it and it swells up, and it's like it's like you take a garden hose with water going through it. If you pinch it, it cuts off the, the, the signals, and so your face freezes. But it's as soon as the swelling goes down, it comes back. So most Bell's palsy, about two weeks, goes away. He says if you get it bad enough where it swells so much, the bone doesn't move, it snips the nerve. That's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Because now the nerve's broken, and, and nerves grow back, but they're the slowest growing cells in your body. So he says two weeks can become a year or never, depending if those nerves right. hook Which up. Which scared the shit out of you, right? Scared the shit of out course. of me. Because I'm thinking, never know. I'm thinking, well, it's been a good career. I mean, I've, done, <laughs> I've done all right. I just finished working with Madonna. This isn't bad. You know, I'll go direct now maybe or be a customer. Who knows? <laughs> But that's what they told me. But they said, we can test you. We'll test you like every month to see if, if something's coming back. At least then you'll know. Because if nothing's coming back, then then you're not in good shape. So anyway, my nerves did get so severed. So it, it I was on the long-term plan. Oh, but thank God they tested it every month. And they said, no, we're getting a little more signal. I think it's going to grow. You'll get something back. We don't know what. And to this day, I mean, I still, this eye waters. I mean, if I smile... You know, people people who know can tell. I've had it. Right. 
But anyway, I had this then. Yeah. So I did the whole play with it, finished it, done, boop, the play closed. And I figured I have to take like some – I knew it was getting better, but I, I knew I really couldn't do anything really like on film for a while. So I go back home to Los Angeles and uh, I get a, 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 an envelope in the mail with a script in it. And there's a letter, and it says, Dear Joe Montaigne, da, 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 I, I saw your play on Broadway. I saw you in Glengarry Glen Ross. I saw you, da, 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 da. Uh, love you to be in this play, or movie I'm doing. And um, signs it Wendy. And then there's no cover page to the, to the screenplay. It's just script, words, and characters. I'm thinking, well, who the fuck is Wendy? You know. <laughs> so I call my agent. And I was about to throw it away. I was going to throw the script away. I said, it's unsolicited script. Some, guy, some girl named Wendy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then I explained to him. I said, I got this thing in the mail, FedEx. And, and oh, and it said, he says, when you're done with it, please do not throw, put this back in the return envelope. Mail it back to me. I'm very funny about my stuff. I'm thinking, Wendy, what are you so funny about your stuff? I mean, nobody knows you, Wendy. We don't even know you. So I, 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 I call my agent. I said, Wendy, this girl Wendy sent me a script. I don't know what the hell it is. I'm not going to do it. I'll send it back because they sent me the return. She goes, he goes, wait, tell me about it. And I read it out. He goes, look at the signature. You sure it says Wendy? I says, he says, does it say Woody? Because it was all typewritten except for the signature. I says, oh, I guess it could be two O's and not an E and an N. Uh He says, that's Woody Allen. They were going to send you a script. And and he's so secretive about his stuff. He doesn't put a title page. He doesn't put his name anywhere on it. So nobody knows what it is. So I said, oh, my God, I almost you know, threw it away or whatever. So I knew I couldn't do it, though, because of my condition. So, uh, But he wrote in the letter. He says, but Mr. Montaigne, if you decide not to do this, it's okay. I get it. He's one of those guys very kind of apologetic about things. He's like, like you'd expect. Like, oh, don't, 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 you, it's okay. You don't want to do it. I, I get it. So he says, but if you don't want to do it, it's okay. I mean, I get it. And we'll, maybe we'll, we'll do something another time. You know, and that's how he ended it. I'm thinking, Wendy, who cares if I do something? <laughs> but now that I know it's Woody, it's a whole other thing. So yeah. I write this whole letter back. I said, dear Mr. Allen, Joe, the, oh, I'm so thrilled. I can't believe you sent me this script, and I thank you so much. I said, but I'm just recovering from Bell's palsy. I, I, I know I'm going to be straight in a few months, but you're starting your film soon. Soon, I really have to take a pass. But then I wrote, but I noticed you had said that you, if this doesn't work out, you would use me in something else. And I figure he's he's Woody Allen. He's got a sense of humor. So I write down, but let me tell you this. I'm Sicilian. You just told me that you would use me in something else. I'm taking you at your word. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I signed it sincerely. I didn't write Wendy. I wrote Joe Montana. Like John Hancock, real big Joe Montana. Well, I got to say, about eight, nine months later, <laughs> I get a call. Hey, I got this movie, you know. And... uh that was that. I wound up doing this, uh, the film uh, Alice, which is the uh, same year I did Godfather 3. Right. So, uh, is that 1990? 92. 90. 90. 90, yeah. And uh, uh, so I, I, I never asked him if it was the letter that got him or if he was just kind of, you know, but I'd like to think that maybe it had a little something. I think you pushed him a little bit. I might yeah. have pushed him a little bit. Put the squeeze on him. Put the little squeeze. And then I did Got another film about seven years later. I did The Celebrity with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That was good one. Anyway. Did you do you know what the the first script was like? Do you remember what that movie? Yeah, was? it was. Um, oh, I can't think of the title because the the part that I wanted me to play wound up being played by um, the guy from Law and Order. The Crimes Rich. and Misdemeanors. 
I don't know if it was crime. Husband, Juan, Waters, Waterston, Sam Waterston. It was Sam Waterston. It was a guy. It was a rabbi. It was the play a rabbi. So whichever one Sam Waterston played a rabbi. Crimes and misdemeanors. Yeah, crimes and misdemeanors. Yeah. He says with the eye doctor. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. the one. No, of course, no. Sam's listening, saying, "I wasn't the first choice." <laughs> <laughs> you know, but You're that very happens nice to all say Sam Waterston's listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, why not? Why not? You'll hear about it now. Right, right. Obviously, he's going to get a Google alert. Google alert. My mouth doesn't want me to say that. Google alert. All right, Joe, what a pleasure. My pleasure. This is great. Are you kidding? To get the radio, a radio show with a guy from south side of Chicago? Right. <laughs> Life is good for me today. This is good. good for you. And you're heading your, uh, your Criminal Minds as a 10th year. No, actually, I'm in my 10th year, but the show's oh, in right. its 12th year. Wow. We're right. Two of Patinkin. Two of Patinkin, who was south side Chicago. Right. And, brother uh, Sheldon, if I'm not mistaken. There you go. And... Uh, uh, so yeah, well, we're in our twelfth season, and I'm off to go. I'm, I'm leaving right here now. Go to go work on that, and uh, we still got a restaurant, Tay Chicago Burbank, for all you Chicagoans who like to grab yourself your Polish and your deep dish and your Italian beefs. Go there. You like the uh, the heart shape, right, Matt? I do I love the heart shape? Heart shape pizza. Yeah. That 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 you, you can get lucky with the heart shape pizza. Right? <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I, yeah, no, exactly. You know, you know yeah, what I mean? Uh, my buddy Dan Cronin uh, was just there. Took a photograph with you. Uh, what uh, two days ago? You were uh, over there? Yeah, it was there Friday. It was Friday then. That's right. That's right. Uh, it was there Friday. Yeah, he, he's a writer on Conan. and he Right, uh, that's right. I, yeah. He came up to me. That's right, exactly. He uh, texted me that picture and said, it's the most Chicago day ever. I just saw you earlier, and I see Joe today. Yeah. no, it's deep good. That, That's what's so great about it. A lot of the Mammoth guys hang there on Fridays. A lot of these Mammoth guys. What's funny is there's a lot of Second City guys come, too. They sit on one side of the room. They, they have like a – there's a whole group that come. It's really terrific. This whole group. They support one of the guys – He's having some health problems, and they come to support him on Fridays. And then all these mammoth guys kind of sit on the other side. And I always come in, with, basically, and it's kind of true. I say, yeah, well, anybody who's been indicted sits on this side of the room, <laughs> and anybody who hasn't is kind of on this side of the room. The funny guys are here. They're kind of the <laughs> guy, kind of guys <laughs> are over here. Right. You know, but it's very Chicago that way. You know, it's, it's, it's terrific. I divide it up between fries and potato wedges. Yeah, potato wedges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In Chicago. Well, it is California. we got to have our, your potato wedges for your alternate kind of eaters. Yeah, I understand, Joe. You know what yeah, I mean? I get it. You know what I mean? But I've held a grudge for 15 years. Yeah, I, know. I know, I know. But I'm we still have a sign that says, you know, do not put ketchup on the hot dog. I put a, I'm a ketchup guy. If you like it, I, I can get it. I mean, I understand it. But, and that, to me, it is an option. But I mean, there is a book out. That we sell the book in because I wrote the forward to it. It says, "Don't put ketchup on a hot dog." Written by the president of Vienna Hot Dogs. But, <laughs> well, uh, he's wrong, and you're well, wrong. No, that's a, you're all wrong. See, but see, you pass on the potato wedges, but you put ketchup on a hot dog. That's, I didn't pass that's on the south side thing. I took the potato <laughs> oh, wedges because I didn't have a choice. Had a boy. <laughs> they were forced upon me. Had a boy. Uh, my wife puts mayonnaise on Italian beef, though. So. I want to punch your wife in the face. No, 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 information. No. Oh but my you, God, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my you life. You know what? And I thought it was nuts too, but we actually have it on the menu we call it the laddie because it's named after her father because my wife's czech is Lovakian, as most girls from berwin and cicero are and uh her father would put mayonnaise on italian beef and i thought well, mayonnaise on italian beef. but i tried it and i gotta say it was like eh. you know it's like in europe they put mayonnaise on french fries mm-hmm. it's like a big deal there and i gotta say an italian beef it adds it it's a different deal but it's not you know it's, i'm a guy that likes mayonnaise the, the, try it. No, I will never try it. Try it, Jimmy. Try it. Try it with try the potato it. wedges. <laughs> try it. You'll like it. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to get like the laddie. You may not like it. Okay. Sounds gross. <laughs> if I'm going to take the time to, uh, to to get a delicious sandwich, I'm not going to muck it up with I this know. mayo. One bite. One bite. One, one little time, schmear. Man. You put a schmear, one bite. 
It's the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> Nauseated by it. Sick as man. I'm going to shut you down. Send, uh, I'm going to get you a C on that window. Oh, God. Uh, Joe, a pleasure. My pleasure. An absolute honor. Now, Pete, the movie comes out, like I've said it a thousand times already, uh, January 1st, CNN. And then when's the, when's the Blu-ray come out? Uh, I don't have a date for that yet, but I... I would think it would probably be around the anniversary, which is in February. So you'd think that with the 50th coming up that they would probably try to gear it around that. But I've been working on you know the menus and all that stuff in the right. last week. So it's it's moving. I, I, I love it. You know, I saw the first cut of it, and uh, you've sent me the most recent one, which I haven't had a chance to see yet. I look forward to seeing that. Uh, might even wait till January 1st to watch it. And just, uh, you know, the way I would as a kid, if like if, if I was a kid in high school and Chicago was going to be on television, it was an event. So I, I might treat it that way uh, and, and be excited about it as opposed to just popping in the DVD. You don't need to know how I'm doing this. It's <laughs> uh, a shit how you're going to watch this thing. Jesus Are you Christ. Are you DVR or watch it live? Who what do you cares? do? You go through the ads, you get a fast forward. forward. Get yourself some potato wedges to I'm watch a, with. I'm a dullard. Oh, my <laughs> God, you windbag. Uh, but, Joe, before you... You go let's yeah. talk about the i've said it on this show and i'll say it I, yeah. i'm a white Sox fan but i love the game of baseball right game seven of this world series is the greatest game in the history of baseball oh, certainly for cup fans without question i think i think for anybody I, I would like to think for everybody but i don't want to assume that but yeah and i gotta say i was in the parking lot of, of Tasha Coke of our restaurant because the cubs offered you know give me a ticket and do all that you know because they, they when they come out here to play the dodgers we do a whole thing i gotta say ricketts is really I, I got to hand it to him. The guy's done it right. He got Epstein. He got whatever he needed to do. He comes out here to L.A. He gets a couple luxury boxes, and we get these Chicago celebrities, and we all go watch the Cubs play the Dodgers here, like Bob Newhart and Belushi and Vince Vaughn. A bunch of us all come every right. year. Uh, we, we, we've done it the last few years. So anyway, they called me, said, we got you a ticket if you can make it. And I said, you know what? I've got these the restaurant. I've got these loyal fans. They come. They've watched every game. I'm going to watch it with the, the L.A. crowd of Cub fans. Mm-hmm. So I did. You know, for some beat the you know, – and I love the Dodgers. I mean, that's my other team if, if, if the Cubs couldn't do it. But they beat the Dodgers. Like, great. Okay, we're moving on. Now we're down to this game seven, Cleveland. Now, of course, all the news trucks show up at the restaurant anticipating the Cubs might be able to win this tonight. The, the restaurant is packed shoulder to shoulder. So now we're all watching the game in the in the in the, in the restaurant, and and of course it looks like it's it's going great. Here we it's go. Like people are it's getting electric, and now I can't stand attention anymore. So I I can't I can't stand it. I can't stand. It. So I go out into the truck. I go out into the Fox News truck, which is in the parking among the trucks in the parking lot because they were broadcasting it live. I so I'm in the news truck, which is me and the two guys in the truck, and I'm saying I, I'm, I'm sorry, I got to watch the ending with you guys. So now I'm watching it. Then all of a sudden Chapman throws the home run pitch yeah, to the other Davis guy. The game's tied, and I'm dying. I'm, and now the restaurant's dead silent. The restaurant like, is like 50 yards away from me, and it's dead quiet in right. there. You know, and I'm thinking, this is it. There is a curse. There's no question about it now. Now I'm dying, thinking this is it. Now the guy comes up to me, up to the truck, wearing a Boston T-shirt, and he's with his son. And he's got a Boston T-shirt on. And he goes, Mr. Montaigne, I'm so-and-so. He names his name. I forget his name now. A nice guy. He goes, I, I'm a Boston fan. I knew you would be at the restaurant tonight. I'm here to help support you get you through this. I know the Cubs are going to do it. And I'm looking at this guy. I felt like it was like I felt like Jimmy Stewart. I'm doing, you know, <laughs> uh, and then the, the, this angel had come down. Right. Because he's saying, you're going to do it. I'm going to be here with you. We're going to do it. I said, I, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. And I said, don't worry about it. So they do the, the rain delay. The thing happens. Bup, 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 bup. They come out, and now I'm too nervous to move, so I'm still in the truck. And this guy's talking me through every pitch. Every time that something bad 
happens, he goes, "It's okay, it's okay. We're still going to do it." And then when something good happens, see, oh look, look, you got to run. And I'm and I'm and I'm I'm no, I'm I'm investing everything into this guy. <laughs> I'm thinking it's resting on him and his son right. because he's he seems to be from sent from heaven. So it's just me and then my wife and kids show up. They're standing there like watching me at the truck, and 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 my wife knows me well enough to think I, I'll let him I'll let him be. I can just see he's he's wired. And this guy's talking to me and the kid, and he's standing there with his kid, and he's talking, talking, talking. So finally, we get to that moment. The Cubs only need one more out. And I can't believe it, you know. And I'm still, I haven't moved. I'm afraid to move because the guy's right there. And he said, this is it. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. Boom, you know, ground ball. Picks it up, throws to Rizzo, you know. Rizzo grabs the ball. Now, since I'm in the Fox truck and they're doing it live, the restaurant's getting a 10-second delay oh. because it's direct TV. You. I start screaming. and It's dead silence. I'm screaming. Ah! And there's just dead silence. <laughs> and, and then I, I look over toward the restaurant, and it's dead silent. And then uh, two seconds later, ah! it erupts. <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment. And I look down at the guy, and the guy's got this look on his face. I told you, I told you. I'm like hugging the guy, I'm kissing him and his son. I said, "Thank you, I, whoever you are. Right. You know, go back to heaven. You know, where you, came from, you know." And that's how I saw the Cubs win the World Series. And of course, they run back into the restaurant. They're filming. The people are flipping out. There's champagne bottles are being opened. It was, I mean, wow. I mean, it was perfect. I couldn't. You, you, yeah. If you wrote a script for how to how to, how to end that 108 year drought, that's I mean, what you everything. Did. The rain delay, the yeah. mismanagement, like everything oh, yeah. about that game. And then like, you find out later what happened during the rain delay with uh, Jason Hayward. Yeah, Hayward goes takes the guys in the thing, and a guy who's had a bad series, and yet winds up doing this heroic right. thing that gets them over the hump, and then Rizzo starts singing Rocky songs, and what the hell? Yeah. And then when you see the parade a few days later, and realize it's the they say the largest gathering of humans. <laughs> ever in recorded history right. in one place, except when Mahatma Gandhi died, maybe, or something. It was like, wow. It was, uh, yeah. As, as, as I said, it took my, my mother, you know, at 101, got some satisfaction. Did you call finally. her up? And- I called her and she said, that's nice. Oh. You know, at 101, <laughs> she's, got that, a, yeah. she's got other things to, she's got other fish to fry. That makes you sense. Know, but, it's, but it was like, oh, that's nice. Uh, well, what a joy. Again, thank you so much for being my here. My joy. Thank An you. An honor. What a joy. All right, we have the Pop Culture Beast. That's Garrett Cockrell. Filmmaker, there he is, our buddy Pete Pardaney, Jan First, CNN, now more than ever, the history of Chicago, uh, from Palms, California, the manager of the familiar, that's Elliot Hopper, the Hunter Manville, and that, our new friend, Joe Mantegna. We'll see you next time right here on the podcast, AK-47, gone, not forgotten. If you enjoy Never Not Funny, why not sign up for the Players Club? You get full video of every episode and an extra show every week when you become a member. Sign up now at podcast.com. has been an Earwolf production. Executive producers Jimmy Pardo, Matt Belknap, Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information, visit Earwolf.com. Hi. 
Hello, I'm Chris Gethard, and here with me is dream analysis expert Gary Richardson. And we are here to give you a taste of a brand new podcast called In Your Dreams, presented exclusively by the fine folks at Casper. We listen to the wildest, weirdest dreams submitted to us by you, our listeners, and we do our best to figure out just what those dreams could possibly mean. I look over the side of my bunk bed, and there are Huey Lewis in the news. You're saying this person might have interests in style and fashion specifically. You can tell that from that voicemail. 99% certainty. Plus, we'll be joined by some very special guests. The word brutality comes to mind. Mortality? Blood. Bloodtality. Subscribe to In Your Dreams right now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Good night.